0: You have failed to demonstrate to me any other difference between your philosophies. Your good and your evil use the same methods, achieve the same results. Do you have an explanation?
1: Space. The final frontier. These are the recordings of the podcast Give Me That Star Trek. Its ongoing mission. To explore all of Star Trek. To seek out new guests and new opinions boldly go where many have gone before. Welcome to episode 31 of Gimme That Star Trek, a proud member of the Fire and Water Podcast Network. I'm your host, Siskoid, and today we're doing our annual Star Trek Bracket Fight, now annual. This year, folks, a battle royale between the 64 top villains from every version of Star Trek. We pair them up. We discuss their merits, and the winner moves on to the next round until we have a single character left standing who we can subjectively declare the best Star Trek villain of all time, or at least of that whole four-hour conversation. To help me with this, I'm joined by not one, but uh, four guests from across the Western Hemisphere. Let's go meet them now. Returning from last year's Bracket Fight from California, USA and the Fan Holes podcast, Derek William Crabb. Hamlet. Hell yeah. Also returning from New England, USA, a very good friend of the Fire & Water Network. It's
0: Corey Drew. A super friend one might say.
1: Marvin or Wendy? The dog. For our new blood, all of which is uh, coming from the United Kingdom. He helped me talk about Star Trek role-playing games as recently as episode 28. Uh, Ryan Blake.
2: Hi, token Englishman representing Village. For all people on the American continent,
1: are you a token? If there's an other Englishman, because losing is uh, give me that Star Trek virginity tonight. From uh, also from the UK, Andrew Leland. Leyland. Leland. Leland. Leland's the bad guy in Discovery. <laughs> Villainy is the theme. Maybe we should add him to the list. <laughs> Well, yeah, that's it. There's a couple of Discovery villains that we couldn't get on there because the bracket was made before they tr- they showed their their hand. Um, so, did you guys prepare at all for this thing? Yes. I've been watching
3: Star Trek since I was five, so I didn't really need to do a lot of preparation. <laughs> I've been preparing for this my entire life.
1: Yeah, pretty much. I did rewatch a couple of Enterprise episodes and Into Darkness, you bastards. Just <laughs> just because I had wiped those some of those things from my mind, apparently now. You at home can follow the bracket fight uh, with the bracket sheet supplied at fireandwaterpodcast.com or at ciscoid.blogspot.com. Some of you send in your guesses for how this will all go, and the player who got the most answers correct will win some Fire and Water Podcast merch. I will announce the winner at the end of this show. As usual, before some of you scream bloody murder because your favorite Star Trek baddie didn't make the top 64, uh, you know who you are. I want to peel back the curtain and show you how the sausage was replicated. First, if a villain appeared more than once, then they are probably on this list. Uh, if they were the main villain of a Star Trek movie, they are also probably on this list. If they were a secondary villain, hmm, maybe not. We then filled up the free slots in each of the four categories: Original Sin's, which is the TOS era, the next generation of villainy, which is next-gen, of course, the sequels and the prequels with villains we felt were iconic enough to warrant a slot. Now, In this case, yes, it's possible for the same character to get two slots if they were played by different actors. Uh, The ones who counted were just So different uh, in their rebooted takes, we considered them different characters. Thirdly, villains that might have appeared more than once but were part of a larger group might have been cut for space. The augments created by Eric Sung, for example, had to be cut, but not Eric himself. The Mirror Universe also has way too many characters. It could have been its own bracket fight. Uh, So we had to stick with the most villainous ones. I know Once a villain is not always a villain. So the bad guys included... Uh, may have been redeemed or not always been villains. Uh, we'll see if that makes a difference to the panel. Because using those parameters, we still managed to cut some characters we felt might have been worthy of inclusion uh, had we had more space. So characters like Trelane, Charlie X, Kivas Fajo, you know, Enterprise's mysterious future guy, Captain Ransom, and the Albino, for example, did not make the final cut. Are, are there any that you wish had made it in, like Leland?
4: No, looking at your list, I think you've pretty much covered all the bases. I, I was interested in uh, mostly in the original more than anything. Obviously, the film's. The J.J. Abrams films I kind of disregard, because that's (laughs) who I am. But we can have a conversation about the version of Khan versus the real version. But no, mostly... I mean, there are a number on here I am going to question why they are villains.
3: Derek? Well, I think my my little Skype avatar speaks for itself. But I I was (laughs) pushing for... For Kivas Fajo, just because I think he's cool and a collector. And I I, I do really like the, the actor who portrays him. But I mean, it's fine. Like, the, this list was great. Like, you put a lot of work into it. And I, I think it's a really good bracket.
0: Corey? I mean, I think given the vast possible selection of antagonists, this list is pretty solid. I, I agree with Derek. I love Fajo. It's one of my favorite episodes of all time. So it would have been cool to have him on here. But Save it for another day. Ryan?
2: Uh Janeway or failing that the entire Voyager writing time? <laughs>
0: Uh, for me, I think the, the
1: the harshest cut is the one that I didn't know I was making, which is would be, I think, if we'd done this a few weeks from now, I think control from the current Discovery season would have probably, mm. yeah, ma- totally made the cut. And uh, But it's just, I mean, it's the same as if, if we'd done the hero bracket from last year. This year, like Captain Pike would have gone up the ranks much higher, you know. Uh, oh, sure. Yeah, so we can't uh, predict the future. We can only do it in the now. Uh, Last time there was a lot of grumbling, I must say, because I put name characters uh, in the first round together and they didn't last long enough for some fans' tastes. I think we did better with it this time, uh, but the bracket is still designed to have some tough choices. A reminder that it takes three votes out of five to move a character on to the next round. But I want everyone to get their say, and participants will get a chance to change their minds if another panelist uh, was particularly convincing. Uh, Participants can give a pass to any character for any reason. It's up to them. So if you're ready, let the backstabbing begin. (laughs) So our first block is called Original Sins, and it contains Original Series Villains. Let's start this off with a big one, Khan Noonien Singh and Gary Mitchell. I think two villains who have a past with Kirk. So um, uh, let's start with Derek on this one. So I was a proponent of getting Gary
3: Mitchell on this list, because I do think he deserves to be on it. Almost kind of considering him in some ways, I mean, outside of the cage as one of the first villains. And I think he... For me, he makes some cool showings in like Star Trek versus X-Men and, and those kind of Abrams reboot IDW comics, like an alternate take on him and everything. So there are some good things about Gary Mitchell, but Khan is Khan and Khan is probably in my favorite Star Trek movie of all time. So for me, the person who goes to the next level is going to be
0: Khan Noonien Singh. Corey, I'm not... <laughs> All right. It's Gary Mitchell. And here's why. He like was the first kind of villain where the whole like to boldly go thing was really shown to be terrifying in a a way, at least for me, at least the first villain I encountered. So he gains this amazing ability, but, you know, at what cost and what does it turn him into? And that was this sort of the price that we pay for exploration and going out into the universe. And. From that perspective, obviously against anyone else, Khan would have gone forward, but in this particular bracket. I'm, I'm going to go with Gary Mitchell. Why not? The day is young. <laughs> Ryan.
2: Well, some of us are born mad and some of us have madness thrust upon us. And Khan was genetically engineered to be a certain way, to be a superior person and to believe that. Gary was an ordinary guy, good person, suddenly got godlike powers, went a bit crazy. So I'm going to go for the homegrown talent here and vote for Khan. Because I'll take genetically engineered over silver contact lenses any time.
4: <laughs> Andrew, this one was really, really hard because Khan ultimately got spot killed, but Gary Mitchell was far more emotional for Captain Kirk, uh, so I'm I'm going to go for Gary Mitchell.
1: Oh, so it's uh, even split. Uh, I get the last uh, vote, the tiebreaker, uh, and of course I'm going to go for Khan, and it's not cowardice on my part like last time <laughs> 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 when I when you know when I voted against my own better conscience and and put kirk above sulu uh no i think uh khan is uh, rightfully so one of the 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 more charismatic villains more interesting villains uh of the original era whereas uh gear mitchell is it's interesting your friend that turns against you you know it's very very personal to kirk but um it's not like he killed spock or anything
4: he killed lee kelso
1: you no, know, never had a chance.
4: So, <laughs> we, are we never got event. a chance to know Lee Kelso. Uh
0: Anyone want to change their votes at this point? Then Khan Noonien Singh moves on. Can we take a moment to just absorb how shocking that turn of events is.
4: <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, because above all, a man needs compassion. <laughs> Let's look at the next one. Two villains who have warm feelings for Spock. This is the theme. The female Romulan commander from the Enterprise Incident, and Cybok, his half-brother of his ever-expanding family. So uh, let's start with uh, Corey on this one.
0: I refuse to accept that Cybok exists. Uh, therefore this isn't a competition there's only one in it and it is the female romulan commander she was boss and she's not competing against anything that is real so okay uh ryan
2: i have to agree voting wise uh with my colleague there i've i'm going to front load and say i'm voting for the female romulan commander but Cybok is not a villain categorically his only crime is exhibiting free will on a planet that doesn't like you having emotions so the female Romulan is evil, comparatively speaking, but but uh, Cyborg is very real. He's too real, and you can't handle it. That's the truth.
0: What? now I'm sorry. I couldn't hear you. There was this like little Cyborg-shaped hole in everything you said.
2: <laughs> I, can see, I can feel your pain.
4: Open your pain to me. Andy. I need my pain. This is the female Romulan commander, because she's absolutely fantastic and easily one of the best characters to come out of the show, particularly in season three. Plus, Diane Duane did wonderful things with her in a sequel novel and her daughter played her in an episode of Star Trek Continues. Cyborg's not a villain, and he's barely a character, so her.
1: Derek?
3: I want my pain. I need my pain. I went with Cyborg because, to be perfectly honest, on paper... I didn't know who this was. Like, I had to go rewatch the Enterprise incident to sort of refresh and jog my memory. I think she's a great character, but just to be honest with myself, I totally didn't remember her. And, of course, I remembered Cybok much to uh, people's chagrin. So uh, my vote goes with Cybok.
1: And I would also vote the female Romulan commander. Uh, I think that's one of my favorite Star Trek episodes uh, from the original series. You could argue that Spock is the real villain here because he's the one who played her. But uh, still, uh, more memorable or interesting to me than, you know, that Cyborg. So that's uh, enough to pass the Romulan commander to the next level. Philistines. Let's look at two scoundrels from the original series. Harry Mudd versus Arne Darwin from The Trouble with Tribbles. Take us away, Ryan.
2: Well, Harry Mudd really is so much more likable. He's a rogue and he does things that, if you were willing to admit to your dark side, you would probably say, yeah, I, I might do that. If I had a horde of androids that I could make to look a certain way, I might enjoy myself y- using that. You know, I might be that kind of a rogue, bit of a full staff figure with an edge. Arne basically is a two-time failure. He screws up not once, but twice. The second time he screws up with advanced knowledge of the future, so, I mean, he's more of a threat to the universe, so I'm gonna have to vote Arn Darwin because he because of what he potentially could have done to the timeline. And Harry Mudd, yeah, I can't vote for him because he made me laugh too much.
1: Okay, well what about you, Andy?
2: Uh you see I'm gonna go for Harry Mud just because I find
4: Roger C. Carmel so delicious in that role. And Arn Darwin is a he's just a bit of a nothing, really. It's only really with Deep Space Nine that he, he becomes anything of note. So I'm going to go with Harry Mudd.
1: All right. Derek?
3: I went with Harry Mudd. I also have the Roger C. Carmel fan love because he was also Cyclonus in Transformers. So that if this is a popularity contest, I find Harry Mudd more popular of the two villains. And... You know what this made me think of when we were doing this list? This may be a weird thing. And, of course, spoilers if you haven't seen Star Trek Discovery Season 1. I was like, Arn Darvin is kind of the prototype Ash Tyler. Is that really weird and that kind of makes me hold it against him, so I, I i voted harry mudd
1: All right
0: i think ash tyler is the prototype you know it really predates i guess yeah yeah chronologically yeah chronologically right. yeah right yeah. uh cory uh, harry mudd uh you know i he Arn darwin was kind of like nah, you know okay he's there but harry mudd was entertaining and, and he shows up repeatedly and he's the kind of villain that you know he's sort of a breath of fresh air kind of villain you know uh Arn Darwin just you know maybe made him a little bit more interesting come DS nine, but uh, only barely. He's still just sort of accidental to my way of thinking.
1: I'm forced to agree because I, I'm not a fan of uh, the original series Harry Mud. It just doesn't quite work for me. I mean, Arndarvin doesn't do enough. He isn't enough of a of a threat here to beat him. So uh, Harry Mud moves on. What's next? Two anal probes. <laughs> <laughs>
0: uh,
1: Viger and Nomad. Nomad from the Changeling. Viger from the Motion Picture. Andy, why don't you start us off? Vija.
4: no contest. Nomad just kind of hovered around on a bit of string and then got taught to death at the end, whereas Vija keen had a story arc, and I love Star Trek the Motion Picture. Fight me. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Uh, Derek, fight him. Uh, Not at all. Oh, Uh, V'ger,
3: unquestionably. I mean, Nomad's a shining example of why Captain Kirk is, like, the most awesome captain in Starfleet, because he talked a machine to death. I mean, you know, he couldn't pull that off with V'ger. So, V'ger goes.
0: Corey? I love unabashedly love Star Trek, the motion picture.
3: Good I, man. Or
0: absolutely. Think it's fantastic. What is this group? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so, um, you know, I'm going to vote for V'ger. Also, it's just cool. Again, going back to what I said earlier about Gary Mitchell It's interesting to see the price we pay for boldly going, and V'ger represents that, which I think is cool. And
2: Ryan? Well, I have to vote with history and say Nomad, because without Nomad, there is no Voyager. Um, Simple as that. I think Nomad blazed the trail for all future malevolent artificial intelligences, and it doesn't get the credit (laughs) it deserves for doing that.
0: It's a trailblazer,
1: yeah. <laughs> uh, well, I, I also want to vote for a Nomad, who is like one of one of my favorite things about the original series or about Star Trek ever. And people do hear me say non sequitur whenever they say something mm. I find is nonsense. <laughs> Um, so, and yes, Viger is only a pale copy with extra special effects and his story is so boring. So I am not one of those, you know, motion picture fans, but that's all. No uh, yeah. Well, that's only three to two, three to two for a Viger in this case, unless anyone wants to, uh, you know, come to their senses. I don't hear anything. So, uh, Viger moves on to the next round. Okay. Two more villains core. Core, John Calicos from the um, original series and then Deep Space Nine, and Lieutenant Valeris from Star Trek The Undiscovered Country. Why don't you start us off, Andy? This one's really
4: difficult, actually, with the knowledge that Valeris was supposed to be Savit, which would be would have been much more of a gut punch if it had been Savick. And because it isn't, I'm ultimately going to have to go for Core because Core certainly John Colicos' performance in that, again, I'm going to use the word delicious. He is so magnificently over the top in that one. Such a wonderful counterpart for Captain Kirk. And William Shatner meets his match in the scenery-chewing department.
1: Um, Ryan?
2: Yeah, I've got a side with, uh, at the risk of being uh, on the side of the winning vote for once, uh, I've got a side with Core because he was so vital in every scene he's in he's just there his presence is amazing and he's a dahar master as well which helps and but valerius was you know a tried and true starfleet officer and did one traitorous act quite a big one but that's nothing compared to what core did core was a terror of the federation for years so i've got to vote for core
0: corey so uh, i genuinely like star trek 6 a great deal think it's a fantastic star trek film it's one of my favorites that being said valeris uh i agree savik would have been a much better move on their part Kor was just so cool and also his name sort of sounds like mine so <laughs> Kor Okay, and Derek, for this,
3: I kind of tend to think that Valeris is one of those secondary movie villains that you were talking about. Because I would think if you're going to look at Star Trek VI, you know, you would point to people like General Chang or the admirals that were uh, what was it, Admiral Cartwright mm-hmm. that, that was involved in the conspiracy. So I, I feel like those are are greater in terms of the story than Valeris is, even though. It is a gut punch to the crew, and then I mean, Kor is is basically like Klingon Baltar. I mean, he's in my favorite <laughs> Star Trek graphic novel. He's in the Dead of Honor graphic novel. He's he's an essential. I mean, he is the the, the mo of the three stooges on Deep Space Nine of Klingons. I mean, he he definitely <laughs> moves up on my list.
1: And I have to agree with you guys. Uh, well, I do like Valeris, and I, I like what she forces Spock into doing. And very memorable character, Kor is the original Klingon. You know, I don't think anyone ever matched that in the original series until at least the movies. In terms of charisma and villainy, Kor moves on. No problem there. What about the uh, another of those uh, Klingons from the original series, Kang, which I've matched up with Red Jack. In this case. And Kang sort of had to defeat Red Jack in the uh, uh, Red Jack like
0: entity in Day of the Dove, for that matter. So that, that sort of makes sense for them. Corey, I love Red Jack. That, that stuck with me. That idea stuck with me from a from a very small child and stuck with me for a, a really long time. Like even to this day, I think it's just such a neat premise, you know, that this psychotic, just evil entity exists throughout time and is even troubling, you know, the people of the, of, of the good Starship Enterprise. I'm going to go with Red Jack. I fully uh, am embracing the idea that I probably will be the only one. But in the event that I'm not, welcome aboard. <laughs> Derek, you're going to find that I'm
3: heavily favoring Klingons on this bracket. And this is no exception. I love Michael and I I think, you know, he is also part of that Trinity of Klingons that shows up on Deep Space Nine. He also makes a cool appearance on Voyager. So, like, I feel like he's got a lot of history that spans from the original series to Deep Space Nine to Voyager. It goes throughout all the series. And I guess on the strength of that, and and because this is, you know, a semi-popularity contest... I think that Kang, at least in my lexicon, is is kind of more popular than Red Jack. I mean, I know I know it's a cool concept, but I kind of think it's kind of almost like you know how people always complain about the the Galactus cloud and the Fantastic Four sequel. Mm. I'm kind of like I think of Red Jack as like the Jack the Ripper cloud, and that kind of takes it down a notch for me. So uh, that that's kind of why I bumped up Kang
4: andy kang is michael Ansara, who is kane in book rogers and mr freeze whereas red jack is piglet in winnie the pooh so it's kang <laughs>
3: <laughs> now, now i have this image of mr freeze like icing piglet
1: <laughs> ryan
2: well uh i'm kind of split here because in terms of popularity i want uh kang to go through he's just great he's just a brilliant character but in terms of evil and villainy red jack is an eternal non-humanoid barely corporeal cloud-like terror being that travels through the centuries killing people and that's a demographic that isn't often spoken for so (laughs) i'm gonna have to vote for red jack
1: oh man i've been going back and forth uh, all over. Whatever someone speaks, oh yeah, he's right. And then the other person speaks, oh yeah, no, he's right. Uh, so this is a hard one because I I don't think the original series episode uh with Kang isn't great. He's good in it, but it always left me with the mm, maybe Kang isn't you know the foremost Klingon, but then he's, he's not the worst either. Um, and then uh, you know Ryan Daly made me put Red Jack on here, and I don't owe Ryan anything, but <laughs> um. Uh, it sort of swayed me enough to put it on there, uh, and I'm, I'm always wondering, did Red Jack make Scotty kill a girl? Uh, you know, how how evil is this thing, and uh, what kind of consequences actually resulted? But I think Kang, once he shows up in D Space Nine, Michael and has such presence that um, overall, I think Kang gets my vote. And moves on. It was close. I want fans of Grejack to know. Um,
2: <laughs> Sorry, gas people.
1: Next up, two Kirk killers. Yes, it's mm-hmm. uh, it's Krug and Tolian Soren from Generations. So one of them killed the father, the other one killed the son. What do you think, Ryan?
2: Well, I don't know if this is a controversial opinion or not. Not speaking to that many uh, Klingon forums. But I think Krug is perhaps the almost perfect Klingon in so many ways he's cunning he's devious he's intelligent he's so alive he loves violence he's exhilarated by combat i mean look at the look on his face when he's fighting kirk on the genesis planet even when he's basically about to die and getting kicked repeatedly in the face by william shatner he's still enjoying it so i mean the mind boggles but whereas Tolian and soren is a bit mopey because the borg got his family and wants to go back to a paradise planet rather than face reality and go to therapy i've got to go with krug i think he's fantastic
0: All right. Corey? I love Krug. He was just, like everything that was just said times two. and Soren is just whiny, so Krug all the way. Derek?
3: I think Soren kind of got his toe stubbed, and also, he's one of those people that gets involved in what I like to call the end-of-the-world, end-of-the-universe jungle gym fights, which I kind of abhor. <laughs> and, and and the fight between Kirk and Krug is pretty epic. It's also... I mean, you have two really good actors, but I, I think the, the thing is, Christopher Lloyd was given a lot better material to work with and I think just on the strength of that and and just the fact that I like Star Trek 3 way better than I like Star Trek Generations Krug is the one that moves up for me on the bracket
4: Andy yeah I'm gonna agree with Derek and everyone else I love Malcolm McDowell in everything that he's ever in except Star Trek whereas Krug is absolutely magnificent he kills Kirk so he gets the Enterprise blown up he's brilliant Krug.
1: You've all got it right. <laughs> this is going to be a blowout. Yeah. Like Nomad, Krug is one of those Star Trek villains that I quote all the time. This would be the, get out, get out of there! thing. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's one of my favorite bits. And, I mean, he is indirectly responsible for the destruction of the Enterprise. So, that's another point in his favor. Tolian Soren is a plot device. And, finally, in this bracket, in this uh, chunk, there's uh, our remaining TOS crew Klingon's Chang and Koloth. Let's start with Corey this time.
0: This one was distressingly difficult for me. Uh, I'm sort of, I guess, the anti-Derek in in that I'm not necessarily an enormous fan of the Klingons, but I loved both of these Klingons. I'm going to go with Chang because of my earlier uh, professed adoration for Star Trek VI. I thought that he brought a different vibe to the Klingon idea, and I thought that he was just excellent in that role. All
1: right.
4: Andy? This one was hard for me as well. But ultimately, I think it comes down to the fact that I like Koloth a lot more in Deep Space Nine, and I like William Campbell a lot more as Trelane. whereas Chang is just such a brilliant villain. So I'm going to go for Chang.
2: Ryan. Yep. i got to go with Chang. He uh, was so close to starting a really cool war with the Federation. He missed out by that much. Koloth, I don't know. He seemed like the really straight-laced Klingon out of, out of the sort of like the three Klingon stooges that came to Deep Space Nine. <laughs> and, and I found that really off-putting. The other seemed to be really good fun. And he was very like, no, we're Klingons and we don't have fun. You know. He's he, too he civilised, isn't he? He's, he's, he's at the wharf end of the spectrum of Klingons. Mm. Plus, Chang quoted Shakespeare and the sort of cultural dichotomy that, you know, that a Klingon general who wants to start a war with the Federation loves an Earth-based playwright from like five 600 years ago is just so funny to me that i would have voted for him just because he quoted shakespeare if nothing else
3: derek i agree with ryan i mean yeah going back to my stooges thing i like Koloth. i love the three stooges i like them all on deep space nine so like again kind of like Corey, this is a tough choice but i think Koloth is probably the less interesting for me of those three and Chang is just so much fun. He revels in everything that he does, and every time he's on the screen in that movie, I mean, regardless of whether... Star Trek 6 is your favorite movie or not you are glued to the screen when he comes on so for me it was Chang
1: it is my favorite uh, movie of the lot so I will also vote Chang especially considering Koloth is the one that doesn't feel Klingon at all in the Tribbles episode or he's so slim built Uh, he doesn't have the look or the personality that I associate with Klingons either well in TOS and then when he shows up in D Space Nine it seems like he's got a personality implant which erodes the character further so so Chang moves on. No problems there. Don't you
2: bow before your emperor? I you think I'm going to bow to you? I don't bow.
1: Let's uh, go to block number two, which I call the prequels. It features villains from Enterprise, Discovery, and the Kelvin Timeline movies. That's a lot of stuff. Harry Mudd versus Khan. <laughs> so again, uh, these guys show up. So it's Harry Mudd from Discovery. And Khan from the reboot movies. Andy. Uh, I refuse to accept that Khan and Cedric into Darkness exist, so Harry Mudd. <laughs> That's simple, Ryan.
2: Well, assuming we can't make a really big airlock and boot them both out simultaneously.
1: <laughs> I, <laughs> that would have been my
4: choice as well to be fair.
2: <laughs> I mean, I've got to go for Harry Mudd. It's the, it's the lesser of two weevils, really, because... Harry Mudd is interesting and he's a nice take on an established character and it's a darker take. So so there is some fun to be had with that. And the episodes he's in are not inherently bad by any stretch. The rebooted Khan, again, I don't fault the actor, not to go on a tangent, but there's a comic that kind of fixes a lot of the problems with the movie that's set before it that makes Khan much more interesting in the film. But it's a terrible film. It's a pointless take on Khan. So it's more like Harry Mudd is more evil and Khan is so pointless, I can't vote for him, so I'm voting Harry Mudd.
3: Derek? I don't know if if this is me just making assumptions, but I like the non-reboot Khan so much and I figured he had a pretty solid chance of ascending in the ranks and I kind of feel like Harry Mud in the original sins ranks has a strong chance of not ascending as well because I sort of felt sorry for Harry Mud. I voted for Discovery Harry Mud. That that was my only rationale. I don't I don't really have much of a horse in the race, but I was just like, ah, I, I want to give Harry a chance to try and do good, so I, I voted for Harry
0: Corey. I like that strategery. That's, uh, <laughs> that's good stuff. I actually am sort of on the same page as, as some others. I I don't love the. Uh, reboot con i find it entirely unnecessary the reboot mud i actually enjoyed i liked the short trips uh episode Mm -hmm. that he was in i liked it a great deal and i absolutely like nothing about the con reboot Doctor Strange aside, I just was not into it.
1: So, uh Harry Mudd? Yeah, you called it short trips because uh, you're also a Doctor Who fan, but it's short, short treks. Uh- <laughs> oh, yeah, you're right. I'm sorry. Yeah, <laughs> uh, But uh, yeah, I, agree. I I'm not ambivalent about this at all. I thought uh, rewatching in, Into Darkness this week, I, I felt like Peter Weller is such a better villain. Admiral uh, Marcus in this is such a badass compared to the John Harrison. That version of Khan, I felt like uh, one killing the other and then the other one continuing on just should have been reversed <laughs> in some way. Whereas... The Harry Mud from Discovery, I like better than the original series Harry Mud. I think he's he's a lot more sinister, he's a lot more dangerous. So I don't know how he becomes a, a, like a shadow of himself by the time of the original series, but I do enjoy that version of the character, and so I vote Harry Mud, who moves on unanimously next up uh well i just mentioned peter weller he also played a villain in enterprise john f paxton uh so i guess we're doing villains concerned with destroying the federation paxton versus crawl from star trek beyond ryan
2: this actually funnily enough was the easiest vote for me by a country mile john f paxton is the most vile villain, I think, in Star Trek history, just because he's so close to our time. Let's be honest, he's an articulate, intelligent version of someone in charge of a rather prominent administration on planet Earth at this point in time. You know, he's like I'm returning Earth to its rightful owners and all that stuff. He's a space Nazi and he's represented in his human, and he makes my skin crawl just to think about him. So, whereas Kroll just felt betrayed, what Kroll did was horrible as well. But Kroll just felt betrayed and didn't really understand the forces of history. But he clearly started off as a good man. Whereas Paxton is vile start to finish. So, oh god, I've just realised what I've just said. Now, do I vote for Paxton? The vote was easy in my head to start with. Do I vote for Paxton because he's evil and this is the villain bracket, or do I vote for? Because I want Paxton out. <gasps> <laughs> uh, I have to vote Paxton because my votes have all been based on who's the most evil. So I have to vote Paxton. <clears throat> I wouldn't vote for him in anything else, though. I just want that to be clear.
3: Right, Derek. So I guess my rationale. Like, I was kind of surprised. You didn't pick Alexander Marcus for this, because I thought maybe it'd be interesting to see the, the two like reboot villains like face off against each it's other. It's totally,
1: totally Into Darkness amnesia. I regretted it upon seeing it again. <laughs> <laughs> I
3: understand completely, because I, 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 I share the same set of amnesia, I think. But, but, okay, so this is my logic. My logic is, if John F. Paxton is indeed a space Nazi, and this is a prequel to star trek where we know that the federation succeeded and there are no stupid space nazis then he's an utter failure and i kind of like crawl and i liked idris elba in that film, and I enjoyed Star Trek Beyond, so I voted for Crawl.
2: Oh, you couldn't have gone first, could you? <laughs> Give me that bit of wisdom.
0: Well, you can always change your vote later. Corey? I don't think a whole lot of great things came out of Enterprise. I think John F. Paxton as a villain was one of those things. I totally hear what Derek was saying. I think the fact that he ultimately failed, I mean, that's something we can say probably about everybody on this list uh, at some point. That started to sway me, but then I went right back. I thought Crawl was kind of a waste of Idris Elba, and I thought John F. Paxton genuinely made me uncomfortable while watching Star Trek. And and that has to go a long way in this particular competition for me.
1: All right, it's two to one for now. Andy. Uh, this one was really difficult
4: because those Enterprise episodes that these guys are in are some of the best of the show, largely because he does make you question what's going on. And the fact that he is such a bigot as portrayed in Star Trek is really quite unusual and unnerving. But I did like Idris Elba as Kral, particularly because you didn't know it was Idris Elba for the longest time. So that's such a great performance in what is the best of the Kelvin universe movies. So I, I was really, Oh, this one's hard. Uh, I'm going to go for Corral just because I love Vitry Salva.
1: Okay. So now we're, uh, what, two to two? So if I have my vote uh, would be, mm, yeah. I love Peter Weller uh, as an actor. That's a foregone thing. There wasn't enough of him in the episodes that he was actually featured in. And I like the idea that he called this movement, he called themselves Terrans, which is a mirror universe thing. It's almost like a shadow Ooh. of what the mirror universe, like these guys are actually the winners of the, the Mirror Universe timeline. They're running the show. So he did win, maybe, in that other universe, even though there, there are other differences from before that point. Um, and then Crawl, I agree that Idris Alba is sort of wasted in that smothered in makeup we don't really know it's him for the longest time he's more of a tragic figure he's a threat but I don't know how villainous he really is or or if I can really blame him given that there was like a madness there after listening to everybody speak I will vote for Paxton uh, does anyone want to change their votes because this is a three to two for Paxton
2: you've salved my conscience now because I was going to say Paxit means Paxit but now you voted for him it doesn't matter if I take my vote on that. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, if you switch your vote, uh, Ryan, then it's three to two for crawl. so...
2: Yeah, no, I can't. I've got to stay by the principle. He's objectively more evil in my eyes, so...
1: Paxton moves on. Um, let's see, Degra, the Zindi, I, I had to choose one Zindi, and there were so many Zindis in the the third season of Enterprise. Uh, the one I picked as sort of the leader, Degra, uh, goes up against Mirror Universe, Philippa Georgiou, the Empress, and now Section 31, Agent... Who wins in this particular bracket? Let's start with uh, Derek. Oh,
3: no question, Georgia. She's so freaking sexy and and so devious and mm-hmm. and everything. Like, I totally dig her. And then the the other thing too, like I'm I'm trying to remember, but I'm pretty sure I'm right. Like, doesn't Degra kind of have like a Rival fusion is what we like to call it on our show. Like, he kind of sort of teams up with Archer towards the end to make things better between the Zindi and the Federation. So, like, I kind of had that same instinct, I think, that Ryan was talking about, where I'm like, is Degra really a villain? Like, doesn't he see the error of his ways? So I kind of felt like not... Not advancing him just because I I don't know that I consider them to be villainous, if that makes any
0: sense. But yeah, so for me, it was Giorgio. Corey. Oh, this is the easiest one of the day is Georgiou all the way. She's funny. She's dastardly. She's smart. She's Michelle Yeoh. (laughs) There is nothing about this character that I do not like. I can't wait until we see the theoretical Section 31 spinoff featuring her. I love her all day long one of my favorite things they've added to star trek in its existence so georgia
4: andy yeah georgia for all the reasons that have been given Uh, and also i hope we get to see georgia go against miroshi
1: (laughs) (laughs) uh ryan
2: i'm gonna be slightly controversial here i think because georgia survived and she was empress for a long time but she did ultimately get deposed and she was only saved by like a last minute beam out a vastly better written character, absolutely much more compelling to watch. But Daigra did basically build the Star Trek version of the Death Star, and you can't really build that without having a bit of an evil streak to you because you can't half blow up a planet. So even though it's, you know, not really going to make any difference, I'm going to vote Daigra just because Georges brought up in a world and trained from birth to be mirror universe evil. Okay, that's just. Sh- she, You know, nature versus nurture, however you want to put it. She didn't have a lot of choice. She was just very good at what she did, which was evil, basically. But Degra was a Zindi citizen in a society built on cooperation and interspecies cooperation. So they had that kind of compassion and understanding. But despite that, and his very dodgy haircut, he built the Star Trek equivalent of the Death Star. <laughs> so I have to vote Degra because I think that's a greater evil because it's against everything that came before mm.
1: but all they really managed to do is you know put a little scar on florida uh anyway the, <laughs> um <laughs> you're entitled to your opinion ryan but uh i'm gonna go with georgia like the rest uh to make it a four to one i love that performance i love she's a master manipulator and even if she will be redeemed in in some way i think that nasty streak will always stay and i think she's extremely entertaining i can't say the same of degra georgia moves on originally uh, in the bracket, this is a change we made. Originally, we had Georgiou and Hoshi from the Mirror Universe up against one another, the two Empresses. But they've been split up just so, um, just so maybe they can last longer. So Mirror Hoshi uh, goes up against Lorel, the current Klingon Chancellor in Discovery. They're both Empresses, they're both Emperors. Who moves on, Ryan?
2: Well, Lorel is a Klingon through and through, but she wants unity, she wants peace. She's a follower who becomes a leader, and she's. Fighting against sexism in the Klingon Empire. She's fighting against what she feels are these xenophobic forces and has the war cry remain Klingon. And ultimately, she succeeds to an extent. It's an ongoing struggle with her because we're still watching discovery Mira hoshi is a bit of a clandestine genius because in the mirror universe she takes control of the empire with the bare minimum action i mean not to turn this into a, a lewd podcast but she sleeps her way to the top essentially she puts us off in the right position she manipulates the right gullible person to kill the right person she poisons the right people she does all that things and in five seconds she knows how Star Trek episodes works you strike five seconds before the end because then it can't be undone And she ends up in charge of the Empire with one swift stroke, which is genius. And... On top of all of that, if there is a Mira Hoshi and there's a multiverse of Hoshis, statistically one of them will marry me. So I'm voting for Hoshi.
1: (laughs) Andy. Uh,
4: Yes, I've got to go with Mira Hoshi as well because she was wonderfully devious and proved that that actress could really do something if she was given a decent role. I wanted a sequel to that episode. In fact, I wanted an entire fifth season set in that Mira universe.
0: Corey. This one's difficult because I liked Hoshi. She's one of the few... People from uh, Star Trek Enterprise that I thought, you know, really brought a level of interest to the show. A lot of the other characters didn't. And I liked Mirror Hoshi a great deal. But I feel like Laurel is, in in a way, a, a much more pivotal character for, like, quote unquote, our universe and has more to show so for my hopes for the future i guess i'm going to go with laurel for this one Derek, i guess i'm going with
3: the crowd on this one i dig that it's one of my favorite two-part enterprise episodes like period um i i adore it and and i i totally dig the ending the only reason why i wouldn't want to see more of it is because i kind of like that it ends with her at the top of her game so i i vote hoshi through and through
1: we might even think that she's part of you know george who's in the same dynasty uh, both are asian women and maybe that's the what happens in the mirror universe from then on is is perhaps you know the, the caesar is uh, maybe in a certain bloodline or have a certain tradition i'm gonna vote for hoshi here not because Laurel is a, it doesn't have a, she's a richer character, but uh, as we talked about her, I feel like the way Ryan described her, she's a hero rather than a villain. She starts off an antagonist to, to discovery, but ultimately, are, are we not with her and we want her to succeed? We want her to reform the Klingon Empire. I feel like she represents some ideals and, uh, that are heroic, regardless of what she did before when she was working with Vok and whatnot. I think she's, too much of a hero to move on. For me, I'm voting Hoshi. And she does move on with four to one.
2: And uh, remember, Sisquid hates me, so it must be true if he agrees with me.
1: Eric Sung versus Vok, the creator of uh, a bunch of augments and the ancestor of well, ultimately Data, and with the Klingon who will become Ash Tyler. Who goes forward? Andy. I like Arik
4: Soong a great deal because I think giving Brent Spiner a chance to play the bad guy is always interesting. I think vulk is probably eviler. So um, I'll go for vulk
0: All right. Corey? I don't like any of the pre-data lineage it doesn't set well with me i've never enjoyed it when watching it that being said i thought the erickson storyline was was interesting but vogue there's just so much there so much to unpack and (sighs) i guess vogue as much as i love brent spiner and want to see him in the end it's going to be vogue
3: derek i don't know this was this was a hard choice for me i i voted for eric I don't know, like, yeah, I I, I don't need to justify, but I I was just trying to think of, like, I felt like I was with Vogue, so I I have that turmoil that Ryan has, where I'm like, do I advance Vogue, because I feel like I'm more relating to some of his troubles and, and things that he's going through, and then he does take certain turns, then you cease to have that relation with him, but... I think I just enjoyed watching Brent Spiner's performance like I I usually do. And it's always excellent and consistent, you know, regardless of, you know, which part of Data's lineage he's portraying. So ultimately, I went with Eric soon.
2: Ryan, this one's a tough one because I don't see either of these people as being villains. I mean, Vok wants to his people and he wants to have their own cultural identity. Now, granted, he's willing to use war, which is a Klingon cultural trait. So you can't really fault him for being culturally consistent for his people. Now, whether you like Enterprise or the lineage or anything like that, Arik Sung is a genuinely fascinating character because he is in many ways absolutely this burgeoning new human coming out of Earth's unification and, and having a code and, and being unified and going out in earnest exploration and peace. And the thing is, he's just, his frequency just a little bit off because he genuinely wants to use all of his intellect, his vast intellect, not for power or whatever passes for money or influence. He genuinely wants to improve humankind. He just has the wrong method. He, he invents all those things for making tiny alterations to the human genome that will prevent loads of diseases and things like that and and he's frustrated by everything he does and he goes out and finds the augments who are like ready-made better humans and he can improve these people and remember he tries to improve their genome so they aren't psychopaths and they aren't like khan and they aren't evil or you know don't have that twisted ambition but he's genuinely trying to improve humanity he just hasn't got the means to do it that's considered acceptable by the current human culture and i'm not saying augments are A good idea and all that stuff but i can't i have to vote for vok purely as a sort of human centric slightly xenophobic approach because vok sought war because that's part of his culture and as humans generally we're against war so from that vok's more evil arik i think is actually in his own way a a kind of backhanded hero so vok i'm voting vok
1: all right well i also vote vok Because he's sort of the the Hulk inside Ash Tyler now. There's something interesting about Vogue coming out, or being possibly coming out, and being that dark streak inside a character that we find to be heroic. Uh, Vogue it is, four to one. Valar and Shran. So we've got a Vulcan versus an Andorian here. Derek?
3: This was the one thing that I think really hits home with Ryan's reservations, where I don't see either of these people as villainous at all. Like, but... I think if I was going to pick somebody just based on popularity, I think I would pick Shran just because I love the character. I love the performance. So I went with Shran. Ryan.
2: Again, I think they're both victims of history because if if they'd been born 50 years later, they'd probably be good friends or at least, you know, would be cordial. I mean, Valar is a Vulcan diplomat who was before they found the um, writings of Surek. And so they were the... How can I put this delicately? They were the dickhead versions of the Vulcans. And <laughs> she was a diplomat dickhead. And she was. And she was annoying and frustrating and superior. But she was good at her job. She negotiated loads of treaties. Shran is a thoroughly Andorian Andorian. He's thoroughly more likable just because he's not so uptight. He's an adventurer. Obviously, he's a bit of a racist. He calls people pink skins and blah blah But neither of them are villains. Their crime is being born at the wrong part of history and being douches a vulcan douche is always going to be more of a douche than an andorian douche so i've got to vote for based on douches <laughs> uh,
1: andy
4: there are no bigger douchebaggery douchebags than vulcan douchebags that much is certain but i love shram but again he's not a bad guy so <laughs> mm, but no i'm gonna stick with shram because uh, i do love him
0: all right cory so a couple of things i feel like maybe um We've stumbled upon next year's bracket, which is douches born at the wrong time of history. <laughs> um, and I say that because I think we're going to find throughout this bracket that a lot of the people here fall into that category. You know, in terms of, of villainy, for me, I'm looking at from, more from like an antagonistic standpoint not necessarily villainy. And this particular competition is actually between Jeffrey Combs and Finna- Nola Flanagan, And Jeffrey Combs is going to win it because he's my hero.
3: Jeffrey Combs. Woo!
0: He's, a cool, <laughs> he's like, 5 foot 4 of pure awesome. I just just absolutely anything he's in, he's just my favorite. He's phenomenal as well. So like that was really the competition for me.
1: He's represented more than once on this uh <laughs> this bracket sheet. As he should. Yeah, and you're right to say that this is more about antagonists more than it is villain because so many villains get redeemed, get sympathetic stories and that looks like Shran moving on because I'm not ridiculous. So okay. Uh <laughs>
2: I don't feel uh, isolated at all by that statement, so don't mind.
1: <laughs> oh, uh, let's do two villains from Time Travel Stories. From Enterprise, the main villain for a long time, Silic, and from the Star
0: Trek reboot, the Romulan called Nero. Who moves on, Corey? Well, it's certainly not going to be Silly. Uh, <laughs> it, it's going to be Nero. I, I won't speak ill of Silic, but. Um, I just won't speak of him at all. Nero. Okay. Derek,
3: I voted for Silic. I, I make way more fun of Nero than he probably deserves. So I, I feel like it's only honest with myself if I if I vote for Silic.
1: Ryan.
2: Yeah. I mean, Silic Bang is a bit of a damp squid. Sorry. Only people in England will get the joke Silic Bang. It's, it's a cleaning product.
0: Okay. <laughs> Sounds a lot more useful than the... Um, <laughs> well,
2: yeah. I mean, the Suliban were... Oh, i mean they're an afterthought whereas nero i mean he was a sociopath you could get behind i mean he was driven mad by grief i mean they're both douches that have been treated badly by history again we're in the temporal douche bracket here um but nero, nero at least was fun his story made sense he went back in time because he wanted revenge preemptively he did it in a stupid way whereas Silic was just someone said oh by the way something bad's gonna happen in the future trust me Don't steer you wrong. Blow up these people. And he went with it. Whereas Nero had the good sense to be killed and be dead. Silic was killed in an alternate timeline, 1944. So he don't even know if he's dead. So he couldn't even get that right. So I'm voting Nero.
4: Andy? Uh, I'm going to have to go with Nero because Nero ultimately changed Star Trek history. Forever, if we're to be believed, that's what's going on now is that it all is in the Kelvin timeline, whereas Silic was part of that whole temporal Cold War art that never really went anywhere. So okay. I'm going to have to go with Nero.
1: I, I was sort of uh, leaning towards Silic, but then I remembered that the temporal Cold War was a story arc that I detested and I don't quite care for, for Nero, and yet he did destroy Vulcan. That's got to count for something. And it counts for him moving forward. And our last fight in this part of the bracket is Valdor, who is a Romulan from Enterprise, and Gabriel Lorca, who makes a return appearance because he was in the hero bracket as well. Uh, but then we found out he was a douche out of time or dimension. So, uh <laughs> Derek, start us off. So, Valdor was one of those
3: guys I had to refresh my memory on, mm-hmm. so I did rewatch the Enterprise episode he was in, and kind of like the female Romulan commander. I guess I just don't have a good memory when it comes to Romulans or whatever, because <laughs> I, I didn't remember, and then I was like, oh yeah, that's Brian Thompson, and Brian Thompson's cool, but I, I think he had a lot of potential. I think had enterprise had a fifth season and like some of the, the novels and ancillary material that came after had Valdor been given a chance to be like the commander in chief, so to speak of the Romulan empire. Like then he could have been a contender, but since I, since I barely remembered him, I went with Lorca just because he had a full complete arc. You know, it was a character that I think had a lot of layers and was interesting because I think there were certain things you could certainly get behind and identify in him. And then, and then kind of similar to Valk, like that at some point, you know, you may find yourself at an impasse with that character and, and not willing to, to go along with him on his kind of twisted journey. So I, I voted for Lorca.
4: Andy, Brian Thompson is cool, particularly in Buffy and the Terminator. Jason Isaacs is cooler. So it's Gabrielle Walker, Ryan.
2: My philosophy behind my votes is completely wrong, isn't it? I realise that now at this stage that <laughs>
4: yeah. um, you've thought yours through. I'm just going Jason Isaacs cooler.
2: <laughs> oh, the weeks of prep wasted. Um, right, Valdor. I think is wasted potential. If Enterprise had kept going, he could have been the Tomaluk of Enterprise because he's got a good backstory. He originally questioned the Romulan doctrine of conquest. He's actually got some depth to him, but again, doesn't get to do an awful lot. But he does have a very cunning Romulan plan to use Andorians, etc. So he's very Romulan, and I really like that. In terms of personal evil, of what individual people actually do themselves in this, I think Gabriel Lorcan might be the most evil character here by a country mile. He's a murderer, a betrayer, a kidnapper. He doesn't like poetry. He has no loyalty to anyone. Treats women like garbage. And not to sort of like lower the tone of the podcast, but he's also a groomer and potentially a paedophile, if you actually go back and watch those episodes. He's all kinds of evil all the time. He's the dark rainbow of evil. So I have to vote Lorca because... I think he's the premier evil in this entire bracket. And he's a douche.
0: Corey? Yeah, I I agree. I think Lorca is the queen bee of the wretched hive of scum and villainy. I mean, he is just as bad as it gets. And to top it all off with, he's just a human. Right. Like, I mean, we expect, you know, a lot of Star Trek villainy comes from the alienness of a lot of these people and their, their alternate cultures and, and that kind of thing. But he's just a dude and he's just a complete scumbag and also played brilliantly by Jason Isaac. So for that alone. I mean, he deserves to move forward in, in a villain's bracket.
1: I will agree with you all. Lorca not only did all those things, but he also manipulated us into thinking that he was awesome. And then, right. and then oh, no,
0: oh, no. <laughs> and maybe you want him to come back.
1: <laughs> still, yeah, I, I still want him to come back. Or at least our universe's Lorca should be in the show, you know, next year or something. And, and this is based on this version. So, yes, definitely... Uh, one of the better villains here and easily beats Valdor. So that's, uh, that's half the bracket already. Uh, we'll take a short promo break and when we come back, the bloodbath continues. <laughs>
3: Once upon a time, five friends who met on the Bot Talk Transformers forum set out to develop a podcast dedicated to their various interests. Transformers, science fiction, fantasy, and comic books. Part fanboys and part assholes, they came to be known as the Fanholes. Their unbridled enthusiasm for podcasting did not end there, and soon enough, their proper podcast spun off into the Fanholes network of podcasts. Besides our podcast proper, the Fanhole soon had a continuum of genre-specific, focused shows such as Mobile Suit Mondays, Transformers Tuesdays, Toku Thursdays, and Sentai Saturdays. New weekly content can be found on Podbean, iTunes, Stitcher Radio, and FanholesPodcast.blogspot.com. Fanholes Podcast: The pop culture podcast made for the fans by the fans. The trial never ended, Captain.
1: It's time to put an end to your trek through the stars. We're back. Third block, the next generation of villainy or antagonism. Uh, This includes bad guys from, well, Star Trek, the next generation, uh, obviously. So let's look at um, two Romulan villains to start with. So uh, we'll even start with Derek. So it's just like... People he doesn't remember. And finally, <laughs> finally,
3: people I remember. Uh,
1: Tomalock and Shinzon. So Tomalock, of course, a recurring villain on next gen. Shinzon, the Picard clone from Nemesis. Uh, go ahead, Derek. I'm gonna go with tomaloc Tomalock all the way. I think,
3: uh, let's see. Do I, do I hold a grudge? I, a buddy of mine was up for Shinzon and got beat wow. out by Tom Hardy, so I hold a grudge against Shinzon. <laughs> I'm going to vote Tomalak
0: Okay, Corey Andreas Katsoulas He's so good, right? And Tomalak is just such a compelling bad guy shinzon is just i don't know man he's just so whiny and like it's it felt like they were trying to do like daddy drama with picard without actually giving him a child and i'm just like oh please i don't need this in my life so tomalock ryan
2: the interesting thing about this one is they're both totally products of their environment and upbringing tomalock is like a good romulan he worked his way up through the ranks he's basically the romulan picard shinzon i mean if we were born into torturing darkness and damnation we'd probably be quite surly as well especially if we were force grown and didn't even have a childhood so you have to sort of really judge them on their actions tomalook was just being a good romulan you know he was doing for the good of the empire Shinzon, i genuinely think you can make the case he's been driven insane so you have to say well if he's insane is he in control of his actions does that make him evil and also because I think Nemesis is garbage I'm voting Tomaloc <laughs>
4: <laughs> I can tell Andy? Uh, yes because Tomalock was absolutely brilliant every time we saw him and I wanted much much more of him and we didn't get it sadly but he, he was an absolutely brilliant adversary for Picard whereas Shinzon was Tom Hardy who's gone on to be one of our premier actors but not so much in stuff at Nemesis which just isn't very good so Tomaloc.
1: I will have to agree. Katsulas is, is- great in this and in uh, Babylon 5 and then you have Shinzon who just made me go what is this idea? I'm voting Tamalok he moves on let's look at two artificial intelligences Nomad no, sorry, Um, Lore (laughs) just trying to get him back in there never
2: give up, never give up
1: (laughs) (laughs) Lore versus Moriarty so we have an android and a hologram who moves forward? Corey
0: Ugh, I guess I have to go with lore. You know, lore. <laughs> so you're you're not happy about it?
1: This is, this I, is I the don't, lineage, I don't, right?
0: Yeah, These, yeah I, don't, I don't love the whole data lineage thing as I, as I mentioned earlier. I, I like even less, you know, a feisty hologram who takes over a ship and turns it into a costume drama. Mm. That being said, lore actually creates ripples from his first inception that go out throughout the rest of the non-Kelvin Star Trek timeline, as far as we know. So, or Ryan.
2: God, that really drained the enthusiasm out of me for answering this one. <laughs> um,
0: You're welcome.
2: Right. Moriarty isn't evil. He just wants freedom. That's not inherently evil. And just as a side note, the novels that carry on his story are really good. I recommend them. But by the by, Lore is nuts and didn't really have a choice in whether he was nuts or not because he was programmed. And he clearly didn't have objective metaprogramming to look at himself and say i'm crazy i should change myself to not be crazy but law does more interesting things than moriarty because he does the whole borg thing i still like the episode brothers because he does evil things but then regrets them which makes him relatively interesting so i've, I've kind of got to vote law andy uh where was law instead Trek nemesis um i love the moriarty episodes uh
4: largely because i think it's is it dan davis who plays him is really good and specifically the one with Stephanie Beecham in, that's a really good one. But he's not evil. Now, I know we're doing antagonists rather than bad guys, but I think of all of them in this list, he is the most identifiable for what he wants. So it's going to have to be Law, who I think had good moments but was ultimately squandered. But it's always good to see Brent Spiner do two roles.
1: Derek? I, I
3: also voted Lore, I guess. Outside of the Doctor on Voyager, I think I'm a well-established hologramist. Like, I'm kind of like a hologram versus Lore. What? Like, Lore. And then on top of that, I just, I love Lore. I mean, Lore's awesome. Like, the way he bitch smacks Worf around and all that kind of stuff. Like, Lore's, lore's awesome.
1: I kind of like that a uh, literary character <laughs> takes over the Enterprise I'm going to throw him a vote, which won't matter at all. So Lore moves on. And uh, let's look at two villains with a family history with TNG heroes. I mean, Sila and Duras. Take it away, Ryan.
2: Uh, yeah, I, again, I think this one's actually quite cut and dried because uh, Selah is the anti-Spock. She's the half-human, half-Romulan. She's, you know, just genetics went in a different direction. And she decided... Unlike Spock, to try and merge the two and live, live her best life, she decided, no, I'm not human, I'm just Romulan. So she's trying extra hard to be duplicitous, cunning, and deeply unpleasant towards anything that's not Romulan. And that, again, is not inherently evil from, from her cultural point of view. She's a hero. Duras, however, is a traitor. You know, we all know what happened at Kitama and all that stuff. He betrayed the Klingon Empire to the Romulans. And that is... I think we can all agree is is a, is is an inherently evil act, betraying your people to, to another for the sake of your own personal power. He's the Judas of the Klingon empire. So I've got to vote Duras. Andy. Mm. This one's quite hard because
4: Duras. Yes. All of those things. And he did give us sins of the father, which is a great episode. I never actually bought Denise Crosby as a bad guy. And I thought that blonde wig was awful, (laughs) but I do actually like Silla as a character and a motivation. So it's, A dislike of the actress versus a liking of the character. Uh, uh, I'm going to go for Duras simply because of what spun out of him with regards to Worf.
1: All right. Two votes for Duras right now. Derek? Again, my Klingon favoritism is about
3: to rear its ugly head. I'm voting Duras. I mean, Sins of the Father. Like, I, I never, you know, had a more cathartic experience than watching Worf. Plunges Batleth into Duros, so <laughs> that's for sure Duros.
0: <laughs> Corey, I actually uh, I have to give um, props to to my uh, cohort here because I had fully intended on voting uh, Sela because I felt like that character was sort of by way of an apology to Denise Crosby for the way that she was treated uh, in the initial season of Next Gen. They really gave her something to sink her teeth into. It's a really interesting character. That being said, everything they said about Doras is right, and he he you know as far as villains go, he deserves to move forward uh so doras and I'm surprised by that
1: sure i so am I because uh I had the same the same reaction where I was probably going to vote sila and then because Duras... Everybody else in his family is more interesting than he is, and I just want to slap him when he's on screen. So, um, <laughs> what a – everything everybody else said is right, and I will also vote Duras, which makes it uh, – ano- yeah, not anonymous. <laughs> Unanimous. <laughs> <laughs> Unanimous. Uh, let's look at uh, two rogues who, well, actually palled around together for a while. Vash and Q – so, romantic interests for Captain Picard. What do you think, Andy? It's got to be Q, right? It does, doesn't it? Yeah. I mean, there's no nobody's going to argue for that,
2: are they? Yes. Oh, okay, gotcha. <laughs> <laughs> Of course. Go on, man. It's not my turn yet. No, I'll wait. Oh, I'm English. Okay. I can Q right. with the best it, of them. Can it be his turn? Yeah, yet? go ahead, Ryan. <laughs> okay, so now let's look at this as objectively as we can, right? We're <laughs> finite mortals, flesh and blood human beings, unless one of you's got a secret you want to reveal – So we can only really comprehend human or human-like evil, okay? Vash is a thief. She's a con artist. She's a trickster. She's uh, a rogue. He's a very, very poor man, Indiana Jones, in the Starship universe, Okay. But she is corrupt, she commits crimes, and happily will commit diplomatic incidents by beaming onto planets that you're not allowed to visit, uh, as in Cupid. So these are evils we can readily identify with, and we understand, and we get how they would personally hurt us, okay? Q, however, is a cosmic being. He's eternal. His crimes are so far beyond our ability to genuinely comprehend, we have no laws through which we can filter and punish him. So anything Q does is on such a scale that can we recognise it as evil? Because Q is playing this vast game with the universe that we can't fully comprehend. So I would argue that Q isn't actually evil. He is amoral on a level that we can't fully comprehend. And amoral is the only moral judgment we can possibly hang on him because we just don't know. He might be doing all these terrible things for a reason that will ultimately benefit the cosmos.
1: I rest my case. So you're voting Vash?
2: Oh, no, no, I'm voting Q. (laughs)
0: Guys, it's my fault for inviting a philosopher on. Okay, so Corey. Well, I was going to vote for Q. Oh, no. And I will say that that oratory convinced me that I'm still voting for Q. Uh, 100%. He's just so – all of that that you said is not wrong, but he's just better. (laughs) In the end, he's a better villain or a better character, and Vosh is fun, but overall irrelevant. And Q is the bookends of Star Trek The Next Generation, arguably the best Star Trek series. So, so Q. Derek?
3: Yeah, I I mean, I'm voting for Q. I, <laughs> I'm just trying to wrap my head around like, did did Vosh like destroy anyone's life with her drifting and conning? Like, I mean, I, I know it's tangible, like that you can you can grasp it on a, a basic human level, but I, I kinda think that Hugh might have had some grand schemes, but even though it's, you know, quote unquote, too big for us to comprehend, th- there were still consequences to, uh, you know, human consequences to things that he did. So you know, in, in that sense, I don't know. I, I find that an interesting discussion, but ultimately, I, I'm going with Q.
1: And so that would be unanimous. I'm going with Q as well. I hate Vash for one thing. You know, you, <laughs> oh you.
2: me too. Oh god, me too. If you
1: wanted a French Canadian uh, joke about this, Vash in French means cow. So it's just, it was always like, why? Right. Why is this character called this? But I do not like her. I do not like the performance. Uh, I don't. I don't think she's a good match for Picard. If, if you're going to put her in a uh, romantic interest function whereas q q it could arguably be a hero because he he's the one that's molding picard to towards the the end of that bookend is q saving the universe through picard but uh at the same time we're talking about antagonists john delancey's gives a delicious performance q moves on q is also about a better romantic interest for picard Agreed. Mm, he uh, also has a Galoob action figure.
2: I do, I do. want it made clear that I was never ever going to vote Vash. I just wanted. To <laughs> <vote Vash. laughs>
1: All right. Uh, the Dura sisters. We had. We put them together just to create an extra slot. They, I mean, they're two uh, peas in the pod. The Dura sisters versus Ruafu from Insurrection. So Andy,
4: this was an interesting one in many ways because I get Ruafu's position and I understand where he's coming from as a villain. However, in that film, I actually think Admiral Doherty is a more interesting bad guy because he should be on the side of the Angels, whereas the Durass sisters are proper Klingon bastards, and I like that in my Klingons. So I'm going to go for the Durass sisters.
1: Okay, Ryan?
2: I'm also going to go for the Duras sisters. Rolfo is trying to save his people. He's going about it in a backwards way. He thinks he's got a gullible alibi in in the, that Starfleet Admiral and everything, uh, whereas the Jura sisters... Like you said, they are cling on B-words, and they are willing to go to any length and ally with anyone to do it. They will plunge the Alpha Quadrant into chaos as long as they're sitting on a throne at the end of it, and that makes them much more evil than Rolfo. So, Jura sisters for me, please. Corey?
0: Yeah, Jura sisters, I think they're uh, fun. They are... Um, motivations are evident and clear and easily understood, which is not necessarily something that makes for a better villain, but in their case, I think that it does and they just make for a more interesting counterpart to a lot of the other characters in, in Next Gen specifically. And Ralfo is, for me, really, really forgettable. Like, I, I actually, when I first saw the bracket, I had to do a double take and be like, wait, who's that? And then I was like, oh, right, from that movie that I forgot about. Okay. Derek.
3: So I, I really wrestled with this philosophical question of who sucks less, the Dura sisters <laughs> or Ruafo? And when it came down to it, I decided the Dura sisters suck less, so they they
1: move forward. For me, no contest. I don't think uh, any of the villains in Insurrection are particularly uh, good, whereas the Dura sisters kind of own the corner. I uh, still do on uh, female Klingons, right? I mean, they're really the, the iconic ones. Uh, the Dura sisters will move on. Who's next, Garon? And Armis, so we've got actually, like, a villain that killed one of the main characters of the show versus Gowron, who was on the show for a long time. So, Derek. Klingon favoritism. I mean, it's tough,
3: because I, I, get, I get what you're saying. Like, Armis did murder a main cast member. But then, like, did you really care that much that they mm-hmm. murdered Tasha Yar? Like, was that of much consequence in the grand scheme of things, like, in terms of your enjoyment of the next generation. So, I, And I think Gauron brought me more enjoyment than Armas took away. So <laughs> I, I went with Gowron. Uh, Andy? Armos
4: in the episode is depicted as being a being of pure evil. And if we are going to stick rigidly to the code that we're following for this, then he should really go through because Gowron is just being a Klingon but Armus
2: was just a big old oil slick and at the end of the day, nobody cared about him. So it's got to be Gowron. Ryan. Again, I'm, I'm torn. The philosopher in me says this is absolutely cut and dried. Armus is literally in an episode called the skin of evil. He's made of the cast off bits of evil of a civilization. He temper tant- I mean, he's the ultimate emo goth teenage oil slick being. <laughs> he's Kylo Ren. <laughs> he's, he's, he's Kylo Ren who's used too much hair gel. I mean, basically uh, again, a demographic not well represented in Star Trek. So in terms of literally sticking to the principle of evil, Armus, I have to vote Armus, I'm doing that with the provision that Gowron is infinitely more interesting, infinitely more watchable. He has a complete arc, but he's not actually really evil he's ambitious and a bit of a worm and he but he doesn't do anything particularly inconsistent with his moral code i mean he wants glory for himself towards end him, and that's why he gets killed whereas armus he's the skin of evil he's an oil slick that gets a bit uh listens to fields of the nephilim sometimes so i've got to vote armus as a philosopher
0: Corey, i was I of two minds here one i think Garron is is much more interesting in execution than armis ends up being Uh, but i think the promise of armis and and what that promise is is that you are now watching a tv show whose resolution at the end is not guaranteed right we're not going to cut to everybody standing on the bridge of the enterprise laughing and then the camera panning away at the end of every episode which i thought was groundbreaking that promise was ignored uh, for the rest of the series for the for the most part i thought it was unfortunate that that why tasha yar was removed from this the show but i thought it was fascinating that they were willing to kill a main character I thought the way they did it, maybe not awesome. But just the fact that, that there was potential fatal consequences for characters that we tuned in every week to see, that was a big deal for me. And then uh, they just sort of never went there again until we moved to like DS9 or even Discovery. So out of spite, I'm actually going to go for Galaxy.
2: Oh.
1: <laughs> I thought it would be like, oh, no, I've got to decide this. But no, I you know, those eyes. Those eyes. Yeah. Garon moves on to Picard Nemesis, Daemon Bach, or will it be the Borg Queen?
0: This may be um, easier than I'm making it sound.
1: So, Corey. (laughs) (laughs)
0: Uh, It's very easy. It's obviously Daemon Bach. No, it's the Borg Queen. I mean, beautifully played by Alice Kriege and a really different. Kind of take on the Borg when they brought her out for the first time. Uh, Damon Bach was, mm, you know, not a fan. So Borg Queen, happily, Derek.
3: I know when First Contact first came out, I did have an adverse reaction to the concept and portrayal of the Borg Queen in in concept. But I, I totally agree with Corey that the performance <laughs> is great, and also like I, the episode with Damon Bach is a good episode. But I, I think that's not. That's not the Ferengi strong suit, you know, being an evil arch nemesis or whatever. So I, uh, you know, ultimately I had to go with the Borg Queen.
4: Andy? Uh, Yeah, I have a problem with the Borg Queen as a character as well. But Damon Bok was such a non enter in a pretty risible episode. uh, It's
1: going to have to be the Borg Queen. Episode or two, actually. Ryan?
2: Oh, God. I'm not doing this to court controversy, but I've got to go with Damon Bok. Okay, the Borg Queen is a program... That's kind of like a symbolic figurehead of a civilization that works on a collective basis that's been running for thousands of centuries with one overriding directive, which is assimilate everything that's worth assimilating. So the Bull Queen is no more evil than than your computer or your laptop when it crashes in the middle of something important. Whereas Damon Bok chooses revenge against Picard for the death of his son. Now, that's a choice to do an evil act. The Boar Queen doesn't really choose anything. She is a gestalt entity. She is trillions of beings acting under one directive that was chosen thousands of centuries ago. So I don't think you can really say the Boar Queen is evil. Whereas Damon Bock chooses, I'm gonna kill Picard because he killed my son. I'm gonna mess with his head. I'm gonna set up this elaborate scenario. So not only does he die, his spirit is crushed beforehand. I'm not saying Damon Bok is good at being evil, but he is actively morally evil in the light that we're looking at so I, i'm gonna vote damon Box. all right so three
1: to one for the borg queen i'm gonna make it four to one even though uh, i also have problems with the borg queen not with alice creech not the the villain from first contact but we did see the queen quite a lot after that played usually played by susanna thompson mm. who's made a career of playing um evil moms, uh, on TV. Uh, and in this, she was like the evil mom of Seven of Nine, which is all pap. I, I that's stuff I don't, I don't care about. Um, <laughs> and it may play against her in later rounds. But yeah, Damon Bach never really uh, had a chance with me. Borg Queen moves on. Now the final matchup in this uh, chunk of the bracket are two villains that made Picard question himself. That's a bit of the theme. Locutus! and Gaul Madrid. So um that's that maybe uh, the toughest one for me. What do you think Ryan?
2: Actually for, for me this one's pretty clear cut. Lacutus is not an entity that that sort of chose anything for himself. He was abducted, assimilated, reprogrammed, given a new identity and as Picard said he had every shred of individuality removed. So Lacutus is essentially no more evil than a, a gun being pointed at someone by another hand. Um, so there's there's no evil choice there. He's told that you'll say all this, you'll do all this, you are raising quality of life, don't worry about it. This is your job, this is your raison d'etre. Whereas Gol Madrid, although he's a product of his upbringing, he had a rough childhood, you know, he was starving and had to do terrible things and what have you and had his arm broken by bullies. He chose to join the military and become a torturer, and not just a physical torturer, but a psychological torturer. His job was to break people's spirit and reduce them to nothing to a malleable pulp that would serve the Cardassian empire. That's almost pure evil in it, as far as you know a, a sentient being can can achieve without being well, he is fictional, but you know without being a cartoon kind of evil. So I think Madred is easily. The most evil out of these two. In fact, I think he's the only evil out of these two. Because so I'm voting Golmadred.
0: Corey, this one was hard because there's just something so vicious and cruel and unkind about Golmadred that, you know, in a villain bracket makes you want to move that forward. At the same time, the first time I heard the words, I am Locutus of Borg, a chill went down my spine. I spent a summer terrified that this captain that i had you know grown to adore was not coming back and if he came back he wasn't going to be right ever again and also it freaked me out that he had a name locutus and he wasn't just borg so i think based solely on well not solely but i i think based on the the emotional response that i had locutus gave me a, an uneasy summer, <laughs> and and Madrid gave me an uneasy episode. You know, which you know, I guess is probably maybe minimizing Gul Madred's impact, but I think Locutus changed, much like uh, I was saying earlier about Armus, Locutus changed my idea of what Star Trek was going to do. So, I, I, yeah, I'm going to go with Locutus. Derek,
3: this is not
0: hyperbole.
3: This is probably the most difficult choice for me on this entire bracket. I sort of petitioned for Locutus to get added Mm -hmm, to the bracket, mm -hmm. and also, I think if these characters were up against almost any other characters on this list, I would advance both of them. I love David Warner. I think that episode is like one of the most outstanding Next Generation episodes, and I also agree with Corey that Impact that locutus had on me in that two-parter was without measure and i i guess for me again to, to make it even more complex and and why this is a complicated choice for me like to put it into like comic book terms like for me locutus is like the dark phoenix and Gol madrid is like cameron hodge like they're both vile like <laughs> You know, they do things that, you know, I mean, you can't use the philosophical argument on Commander Cisco. You know, you can't say, oh, well, geez, Picard wasn't in his action. You know, what is it in his right mind or whatever? Like, it's still going to evoke, you know, I mean, that is the whole basis of the pilot of Deep Space Nine. You know, him dealing with, with something of that magnitude. So, ugh, this was so tough, but I, I picked Locutus.
4: Andy? Andy? In contrast, this wasn't at all tough for me. It's Gul Madrid because Locutis was very much somebody who was being controlled by somebody else. And whilst I agree that summer of The Best of Both Worlds Part 1 was three months of, oh my God, I think Gul Madrid is actually more evil because he's a more tangible kind of villain. Torture happens uh, in real life. And the fact that he was torturing our beloved captain, who we'd grown to know and love over six seasons at that point, makes him much more of a hissable bad guy without the connotations of that being a two-dimensional bad guy, because he wasn't. So I'm going to go with Gold Madrat.
1: All right, so I have to be the tiebreaker here unless people change their minds. And this was tough, but at the start of the conversation, I decided and I said, well, I'm going to stick to my guns. Those guns are for Locutus because you know Derek sort of mentioned it, but without Locutus, there is no Deep Space Nine, which happens to be my favorite show. And the idea that, again, a bit like Vogue, this is a monster inside, actually the monster outside with the hero inside, and the Locutus persona, Picard is trapped inside of that. There's also a psychological horror to it, and then as we find out in First Contact, that has stayed with him. He's having bad dreams about this. He still has that connection. He is still Lacutus and haunted by those actions. And I mean, Wolf 359, it, it, there's there's a scope to that sort of, we might call him less of a villain but more of a monster but I'm going with Lacudis, which makes it three to two, unless someone wants to change their vote. Anyone?
2: And I'm not changing my vote, but I do want to point out that in England, BBC, because of the stupid way they bought the episodes, they basically showed the best of both world part one. Well, season three, we saw it much later than America. So we said we we had the Best of Both Worlds part one. They didn't buy the rights for season four, only the first episode. So we didn't have a gap between part one of Best of Both Worlds and part two. We just had part one, then part two, and that then we had no Star Trek for... About over a year until they yeah, came out. Oh, no. four, uh, yeah, 18 months before season yeah. four.
4: But I was getting them from someone else. So
1: I understand your votes now. I'm kidding. So it's three to two for Locutus, unless I'm not wrong, am I? I'm like, I think the real
3: villain is the, what, the BBC who didn't
1: buy the rights fast enough for you guys.
2: BBC Two, they didn't even put it on the big channel. They put it on BBC Two. Oh man. Wednesdays at 6 p.m., so they cut the episodes as well.
1: <laughs> um so Lucky just moves on. And that is it for the third block.
2: Can you picture it? An entire universe set in flames to burn for all eternity.
0: I should have known the demon would
1: be you. Let's look at the fourth block, fourth and final, the sequels. Of course, this includes villains from both Deep Space 9 and Voyager. Uh, not many Voyager villains, I'm afraid, but, um, well, you'll see. Let's start with two villainous leaders. We've got Dukat and Maj Kala from a Voyager, the Kazon, where I had to choose one Kazon among many, but he's the one that had the most
0: appearances and the biggest impact, if you will. Corey, start us off. Uh, The less said about the Kazon, the better. I mean, come on, it's Dukat. Like, he's awesome. I apologize for my lack of philosophy in that answer, but he's just awesome. Like, he's just great. So, uh, Dukat, for sure. Andy?
4: Yeah, it's Goldicat. If if he doesn't win this,
2: I'm going to claim that the votes were rigged. (laughs) (laughs) Ryan. Well, if you look at that... No, I'm kidding. It's Ducat. <laughs> <laughs> Derek.
3: Hmm. Poser, Klingon, or arguably the greatest villain in all of Star Trek, I'm going to go with Dukat.
1: Yeah, especially since Kala's big role is being manipulated by another villain. Dukat wins it and moves on. Uh, well, two villains uh, now that, that Kira probably hates, Damar and the Intendant. So that's that's the Mirror Universe, Kira. So... Uh, Andy, who moves forward, Damar or the Intendant?
4: Damar's just a lackey. And as much as I like him in Deep Space Nine, that's all he is. Whereas the Intendant is now a visitor in a leather catsuit.
1: The Intendant. <laughs> <laughs> that's a good point. Ryan.
2: Damar is a good Cardassian. He's loyal to his government. He doesn't really question anything. He only really gains any anima on the own when he, at the end of his arc where he has some, sort of, you know, quote unquote greatness thrust upon him. Whereas the Intendant chooses to be evil and in fairness yeah leather cat so intendant
3: derek Cardassian george washington or the intendant i think i'm gonna go with the intendant
0: cory just to do it i'm gonna go with damar you know i agree he's more or less just a lackey and he's probably a lot more somebody you can have a little bit more empathy for over the course of his story arc but since nobody else did i will you're welcome i took the bullet for you guys please feel free to continue voting for the intendant <laughs>
1: uh, no, I'm voting for Damar as well. I think he's, uh, okay. I mean, he's, he's more of a, he's not as smart as any of the other Cardassians, certainly, but he is just as big a bully. He's just more, you know, brunt force, uh, let's say. And, I mean, he kills, um, Torazial. I mean, he's very much a villain until they do turn him. In. And then even then, it's like he's, he's being heroic with gritted teeth. I, um I think Damar has like a richer history from extra, <laughs> you know, from glorified extra to, uh, leader of the Cardassian Union. So, uh, I am voting for Damar, which doesn't help anything. Uh, it is still the intended moving on unless someone wanted to change their vote and they don't. Luther Sloan versus Brunt. Oh, that, this, this is a strange one. Ryan.
2: Okay. This one, this one's an interesting one because you have to judge it from the cultural perspective that they're being viewed by. So Brunt, although no one likes him, is completely legal. He's on an official position. He's not doing anything illegal or anything like that. He is being a pure Ferengi. So the judgment of him being evil purely lies in the fact that Quark and Rom and what have you just don't like him because he's acting against them, which is not inherently evil. Whereas Luther Sloan, the view we get of him is basically through the eyes of Bashir and a little bit of O'Brien. And they don't like him because he's against their idea of the Federation. But again, Luther Sloan is completely legal. Section 31 is a completely legal entity. And moreover, whereas Brunt is just acting for personal gain, Sloan is acting for the betterment of the entire Federation. His method is not relevant exactly, but it's it's not the thing that we have to question because Section 31 is legal. So I have to say Brunt is the greater evil purely because he is selfish in his pursuits. So I'm voting Brunt.
1: <laughs> okay, so that's a vote for Brunt, Derek. Uh, William Sadler
3: versus Jeffrey Combs. I, I think I think I gotta go with Jeffrey Combs. Like I I, I like Brunt. I want to see want to see Jeffrey Combs do well on this. So Brunt.
0: Corey. Same uh, the uh, the Jeffrey Combs of it wins this particular competition for me. Um, also, I just like I thought it was an interesting in, in when you think that the Ferengi can't get any more. Than what they are, they bring something in a little bit to sort of give you a, a little hope, you know, make the fringy a little more interesting. Uh, and I thought Brunt was a good attempt at that, a, a successful attempt at that. Uh, so, um, and also Jeffrey Combs, come on, he's great. Andy Jeffrey Combs is great,
4: but we've got Wayun coming up. Um, so I'm going to go with Luther Sloan because I think Luther is the worst kind of adversary in that he thinks he's doing it for the right reasons but how he's going about it are, are completely wrong so I think if we're, we're following the the tenets that you've laid down for doing this I think it's Luther Sloan whereas Brunt well argued though your philosophy is Brunt's still a Ferengi and that's what Ferengis are that's what they do
1: I wasn't too sure about this one but I'm I think I'm of the same opinion as uh, as Andy on this you know, metatextually, Luther Sloan introduced the idea of Section thirty one, which has a lot to answer for, <laughs> let's say. Uh when it shows up again and again in in, in prequels and it's like this one off idea seems to have taken over and sort of tainted the whole idea of the Federation, and Luther Sloan comes in with you know brings that baggage with him. So I think he is the more the more villainous of the two, whereas any Ferengi villain is still going to be sort of a clown. So uh, that's still three to two for Brunt. Brunt moves on.
2: Validation.
1: <laughs> <laughs> the Founder Leader versus Anorax.
3: Derek. I don't know, like, th- this wasn't, like, tough for me, but I just kind of, I, I had to dwell on it a little bit. But I ultimately went with the founder leader. I, I guess just because Kurtwood Smith is usually plays a great villain, but, I mean, I don't think Anorax ever outdid Clarence Boddicker, if that makes any sense. <laughs> so I, I sort of felt like, Oh, okay, I've got, like, Space Red Foreman versus, like, the leader <laughs> of the Dominion, essentially. So I kind of <laughs> went with the leader
0: of the Dominion. Corey? <laughs> well, I was going to vote for the leader of the Dominion until you pointed out that he was Space Red Foreman. <laughs> that sounds awesome. <laughs> but no, I'm still going like, to vote for the leader of the Dominion. Uh, I felt like the Dominion were as a... I don't necessarily know that they were executed as well as they could have been, but I thought as a, a species... They posed a clear and present danger to the heroes of this franchise and uh, in a way that I thought up until that point, Star Trek hadn't really ever presented. So, you know, I'm a sucker for anything new in Star Trek. <laughs> and I thought that the Dominion, the founders, all of that was just Super creepy. That's who gets my vote. Andy.
4: Well, Anaracts is a derogatory term for a fan, particularly a Doctor Who fan, so I'm gonna vote for him just because of that. Um no, (laughs) the the founder leader (laughs) is ultimately her entire reason for being Here's N Detra, whatever, is to get Odo back into the Great Link, which isn't inherently an evil motivation. Now she doesn't give a rat's ass about who she steps on to get though. But Anorax, if you watch The Year of Hell, Anorax wipes out entire civilizations in his quest to get his family back. And although he also has understandable motivations, as you find out as the story progresses, he's inherently more evil than the founder leader is.
0: To me, the idea that uh, a person putting an entire galaxy into a state of war with another segment of the galaxy to supersede a single person's personal will Feels pretty evil. (laughs) uh, Well, when when you put uh, it like that, uh, I was listening to your argument. I was like, oh, yeah, he makes a really compelling point. And I was like, but it's just for Odo. And then I was like, oh, wait. (laughs) What do you think, Ryan?
2: Well, you see, I, I would argue that the motivation of the dominion is to instill their form of order over the solids not getting odo back is obviously a priority for them but they want to conquer everything they want to be in charge because remember we're told originally the solids treated them badly and they swore one day we'll get our revenge so the dominion empire the dominion exists purely to get revenge on the solids and instill order and for them to be in charge but and here's the key element that i think makes anorax more evil The Dominion, at the end of the day, do know what they're doing. They go from planet to planet in a linear fashion, conquering. Yes, evil, but it's kind of like the evil you can trust. Anorax, ironically, has a noble motive to save his family, but he's an idiot who doesn't care about the massive collateral damage he's causing. Because remember, he is traveling in time. He stops one thing happening, causes the knock-on effect. Voyager could very literally have have got past this with the temporal shielding, and got back and found there was no Federation, there was no Earth, all because of one thing they did in the Delta Quadrant. Anorax, I find to be abhorrently evil because of all the collateral damage he didn't care about in time, coupled with the fact that he, he didn't know what he was doing. This guy's not a Time Lord. He doesn't. He, he knows little bits about the cause and effect of what he's doing, but the larger scale of it, he's not even looking at. It's accidental evil, true, but it's such a colossal, cosmic level accidentally evil. Well, I have to vote Anorax.
1: So it's two to two at this point. And I, um the D Space Nine super fan and uh you know Voyager curmudgeon will surprise you at this point <laughs> by uh, actually voting for Anorax for purely personal reasons. I hate the founder-leader character. I hate her so much. And one of the reasons I hate her is that anytime she's in an episode, she drags Odo down into this subplot that I did not like. Odo is a character that I like, and then I don't like, and then I love, and then I hate. And she's very often the, the engine for that. This whole subplot about him and his people, I do not care about. So every time she's in an episode of D-Space Nine, she drags it down. Whereas... I am not a big fan of Voyager, but The Year of Hell, that two-parter that deals with Anorax's actions, is the single best Voyager story. And so he uplifted that series to a level where, I well, I wish it was always like this. Well, I agree with my uh, colleagues from the Commonwealth. Yeah, he's not like destroying civilizations. He's making them unhappen. And I think that is a worse evil than anything you could do contemporaneously in one particular era. That would be three to two for Anorax. Unless someone changed their minds. I don't know if Andy was swayed by Corey's argument.
4: No, his argument was, was exceptionally well-reasoned. I still think Anorax is wiping out entire civilizations, largely because, as, as has been pointed out, he doesn't know what he's doing with it. So, yeah, the collateral damage there is far more impactful to me as a villain.
1: Let's call this an upset Anorax moves on. <laughs> uh, here's one that I doubt will be an upset. Gul and Weyoun. So, Ryan.
2: Everyone's going to hate me. Gul evec Yeah, yeah. Well, here's, here's, here's the thing. No, I'm joking. Of it's Wayun. <laughs> the thing is, again, they're both products of their society. Now, gull indirectly is responsible for the Maquis forming. So you could argue that's a greater evil. Also, I don't know which Wayoon we're talking about. So, you know, if it's the first Wayoon, definitely more evil. The thing is, Wayoon is literally genetically programmed to be a certain way. I would argue that apart from that one that, that is uh, Treachery Faith in the Great River, where that version of Weyoun is literally said he has gone wrong. He has malfunctioned and has chosen to think that the war's bad. Wayum's don't have any free will. If you don't have free will, you can't be evil or good. You are just running a program. You do not have a choice. So the moral question is taken out of it. I'm slowly talking my way around to voting for Golovek again. Uh, I genuinely think Golovek is a military officer in a fascist regime. He is one of the space Nazis, but he cares about his family and doesn't want anyone else's family to die, which gives him a slight moral edge over Wayun, who I suppose will order the death of every Cardassian because he's told to without questioning. So I'll vote. Wayoon, but I don't like it.
0: Andy. It's Wayoon. <laughs> <laughs> Corey. Uh, yeah, I, I will admit that briefly, well, maybe I won't vote for Wayoon because that's a really good argument that you made on behalf of Gulliver. I would say that I don't know that, that necessarily being evil makes one a better villain because it's all a matter of perspective, right? Like, we're supposed to be on the side of the Federation. That's where they put us. In that case, you know, Wayoon is a much bigger villain for us, a much bigger adversary. But also, this guy, Jeffrey Coombs, played uh, Wayun, and he's really good. Have you heard of him? He's really good. So, Wayun, Derek. Dr. Mordred for the win. Dr. I Mordred. Mean, I
1: mean, Wayun, <laughs> Of course, Wayun. So... Of course, there's different Weiyuns, uh, four, five, six. The concept of Weiyun is going forward. Kai Win and Carr. So Win and Carr. Carr being the, the Hyrogen we decided to, uh, to add, to put the, on the list. Uh, he's the one in the episode where they dress up as, uh, they capture Voyager and they use their holodecks to, uh, impersonate, among other things, Nazis. Uh, and hunt down humans on the holographic um, system. So, who's the bigger villain?
2: Sorry, I just think the fact you had to remind us the specific instances of his appearance well, really tells quite a lot. It's <laughs>
1: less for you and more for uh, listeners who you know <laughs> might have missed an episode. Mm. Andy. See, so for
4: me, Carr was the evil prototype Night Knight Rider. That's mm. right. And uh, <laughs> if he <laughs> was on this <my> list... <laughs> I am voting for him not only cuz he was voiced by Peter Cullen but Carl was damn good. He had a little yellow light instead of the red one. It was all it was great.
2: Uh
4: but it's it's Kaiwin.
0: Okay, Corey. Kaiwin is despicable despicable. Every like there's just nothing there's just no one I like less. In all of Deep Space Nine, then Kai went. So, Wynn. Derek. So, because I'm never going to get a chance to talk about the
3: Hirogen ever again, <laughs> I just want to point out that I did enjoy... The, that was one of the few antagonists on Star Trek Voyager that I did enjoy. I know they're just poser predators, but I kind of liked... Seeing the Voyager crew go up against Poser Predators. Having said that, Louise Fletcher, outstanding. I've never hated a character more with the passion of a thousand fiery sons than I have hated Kai win So, and in a good way.
0: <laughs>
2: oh yeah, yeah,
3: well yeah, that, that's why she that's why she advances. <laughs> <Yes>. Ryan,
2: <sighs> why do I do this to myself? Okay, mm. <laughs> let's let's look at this from a human point of view here. Kai Win is a corrupt religious leader. We know all about that fine she's she's terrible she's awful and i agree in terms of watching the characters i hate her so much i want to reach into the screen and just point my finger at her and wave it and say horrible things because i'm english and (laughs) (laughs) that's the extent of it (laughs) yeah but the thing you've got to remember is is that car is from a species that exists purely to hunt other sentient species okay they think nothing of breaking to voyager and Mm. taking them all prisoner and making them slaves and again from the human perspective let's not forget who Did they side with symbolically on the holodeck? It wasn't the Romans or the Mongols. Who was it? It was the Nazis. Now, what represents the worst elements of humanity in our history than the Nazis? So I'm going to say because they went through the holodeck and went, these guys look like good role models. Let's see what we look like in iconic black. (laughs) They decided to be Nazis. And for that, I think Winnie's just ambitious. She's monstrously corrupt. She uses religion, which she clearly doesn't actually believe in, although I think at the start she kind of wants to. She doesn't knowingly sell out Dukot to, to start with, but she comes around. So, yes, she's a monster. She's a corrupt. But she's doing it for personal ambition, which is a much narrower evil than being the Nazis. So I have to say that because Carr, and I know we didn't see this, but I, I in my mind's eye, I'm thinking he went through the holodeck flipbook and went, Oh, Nazis. Yeah, they'll do. Let's look at what they did. Yeah, that seems palatable and acceptable. Let's dress up as Nazis. And so car, Nazi, car equals more evil. And the
4: thing with that is, he went through the holodeck book and he looked at World War II and thought, "Yeah, we'll be them. We'll be the ones that lose."
1: <laughs> well, it's it's a challenge, right? It's a game. Let's let's see if we can reverse history. Uh Which uh, <laughs> you know, I'm just uh, no-prizing. Uh, no, it's it's got to be Kai. Win in this case for me as well. Potentially final four kind of character. You know, it's so slimy and so well acted and so well done. She moves on with four to one as far as votes go. Let's move on to oh another repeat. We've got a repeat from last time. Uh, was a hero, but maybe where we could decide he's a villain. Two villains really hiding in plain sight on D space nine. Elam Garrick
0: or the Bashir changeling it was actually on the show quite a lot. I <laughs> just didn't know it. <laughs> so Corey, well in much the the same way as uh, the last time we did one of these brackets, I will do anything to see Garrick win anything. Garrick. Derek.
3: Garrick. Garrick. no he's great he's awesome garrick ryan
2: i've got to say the bashir changeling because he was willing to blow up not just deep space nine but the entire solar system We've heard Garrick talk about assassinations, but he's never done a one-man genocide. And I think that makes the Bashir Changeling slightly more evil.
1: Andy?
4: Uh, I agree that that makes the Bashir Changeling slightly more evil, but I want Garrick to go on to the, to the ropes with this, so I'm going to vote Garrick.
1: And I'm going to throw a vote Ryan's way with the Bashir Changeling... I like the infiltrator idea that, you know, like, what else, what else did he do? Not just evil stuff, just, you know, just like pretending to be my friend, just having dinner with me. I'm O'Brien in the story. (laughs) (laughs) You know, just being privy to a lot of intimate business, whether that's as a doctor, as a friend or colleague, I think is, and, uh, Garrick, I just decided that he was, I guess, heroic in my book. So uh, I can't vote for him here, but uh, three to two, that would be Garrick moving on. And our final, final uh, fight in round one, two villains related to the Maquis, Michael Eddington or Seska? Derek?
3: Eddington. Deep Space Nine, forever. Voyager, boo, Eddington. (laughs)
1: All right, Ryan?
2: Yeah, so... here's the thing, right? My philosophy throughout this entire voting has been who is more evil? Who's the, who's the villain as opposed to what actor do I like or which character do I like the most? And here's the thing, philosophically, spiritually, intellectually, I love Eddington. I want him to go through. I really do. I genuinely love the guy. Seska was like, eh, you know, she's a bubble of oxygen. It's Voyager. I just, you know, so what she's there. I, I will acknowledge she was there and she probably said some words and did some actions. And I can't bring myself to vote for Voyager, so I'm going to have to break my code and vote Eddington because I cannot vote for a Voyager character. I'm sorry.
4: Andy. I'm going to vote for Michael Eddington purely because, again... He's not evil. He thinks he's doing the right thing. He has exceptionally good motivations for doing what he's doing. But he gets under the skin of Commander Cisco, or was he Captain Sisko at that point? I think he was Captain, wasn't he? He gets under Sisko's skin so wonderfully in that little mini-art that he's on that it just does such wonderful things for the show and for Avery Brooks as an actor. So I'm going to go for Michael Eddington.
0: Corey? He, I mean, Eddington wins for me. Seska barely brought anything as a character to the show, in my opinion, and Eddington brought so many depths of effect. You know, there was just so much that he brought to DS9. He, for me, is a better villain, even if his motivations are not necessarily evil
1: all right and that's uh four to nothing for uh michael eddington i almost want to vote for seska she, she has that same infiltrator kind of personality that i liked in other characters but then there's the whole baby with Chicote or Kula stuff which <laughs> is remedial soap opera mm. and how many canadians are there on star trek so i kind of have to go with michael eddington just for patriotism so he goes forward. <laughs> well that's the end of uh, round one. We'll take another break and when we come back, rounds two, three and four right to the end.
4: The Fantastic Ass is your guide to the Fantastic Four from the beginning of the Marvel Age of Comics. Each week, Steve Lacey and Andy Leyland cover each issue spin-off, guest appearance and cameo of Marvel's first family. And in 2019 we begin our journey through the neon decade the 1980s. Join us as we cover... All-time classic runs from John Byrne and Walt Simonson. She-Hulk and Sharon Ventura join the Fantastic Four. The Invisible Girl No More. Here comes The Invisible Woman. Spin-off series including Marvel 2-in-1 and The Thing. Marvel's Secret Wars The Trial of Reed Richards and more Find us at thefantasticast.com on iTunes and all other podcast services The Fantasticast Insert catchy tagline here Wait, what?
2: I'll chase him round the moons of Nibia and round the Antares Maelstrom and round Perdition's Flames before I give him up we're back for round two. Da, 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 da.
1: Or something. Some sort of notes. <laughs> so uh we're going back to uh, the, the start of the, the bracket and looking at the new matchups that that has created. For example, Khan versus the Romulan commander. So does Khan uh, or uh, does she move on Derek? Khan!
0: is my pick without surprise based on your previous comments Corey. so i feel like khan's gonna win this so i'm gonna vote for the female romulan commander because i think that she is interesting and she deserves the representation you know of that that being said i'm voting for her because i feel like i pretty comfortable that the right person's gonna move on from experience you know that's dangerous <laughs> i do you're right you're right this is just- But now we can change our vote again. So also there's that. Ryan, I'm going to
2: vote for the female Romulan commander as well, because Khan is driven mad with grief after his wife exploded. And you could argue that he's legitimately driven insane and has a desire for revenge. Whereas the female Romulan commander has all her faculties she could rebel against the Romulan Order. She flirts with Spock, etc. But she doesn't. She chooses the banality of evil. And I think that's a greater evil.
4: Andy. I was going to vote for the Romulan Commander as well because I thought Khan was a shoe in to win. But I actually do find the Romulan Commander to be a fascinating character.
1: So you are voting for the Romulan Commander? Yeah, I'm going to stick with okay, that. Okay, well, I'm going to vote Khan. <laughs> Uh, well, it doesn't matter, right? Isn't it like three to two right now for the Romulan Commander? But I still think Khan is responsible for one of the better Star Trek films. Uh, so, and one of the better POS episodes for that matter. So, it's three to two. Okay, f- you convince me, Khan. <laughs> so, yeah. there's the switch. Three to two for Khan, and Khan moves. On.
2: But if I boo now, I don't know what that actually means, <laughs> if I'm going to be honest.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and that's exactly how I like
1: it. <laughs> then we've got Harry Mudd versus V'ger. Harry Mudd versus V'ger. Corey?
0: I'm going to go with V'ger. Uh, Again, I really, truly adore um, Star Trek The Motion Picture. I think V'ger is a, an interesting antagonist. Harry Mudd is fun briefly, but between Harry Mudd and V'ger, it's going to go for V'ger. Non sequitur. Ryan? <laughs> I have
2: to vote Harry Mudd because I cannot philosophically in any way, shape or form recognize Vedra as being evil apart from the two and a half hours of my life it sucked away from me
0: in the motion picture. You've only lost uh, two and a half hours to this movie. Yeah, I've lost a lot <laughs> more than that.
2: I can't remember. It's all a blur. What about
3: the sleep intervals? The hibernation in between the two hours? <laughs> <laughs> Oh, Andy, Andy, uh, Harry Mudd's
4: just an irritant. His knee and Veja's cool, so I'm going for Veja.
1: Next <laughs> Derek.
3: <laughs> <laughs> well, we've got we've got a kind of chubby carbon unit, and the the guy that calls people carbon units (laughs) but i'm gonna go with eger i kind of
1: oh my god oh man i wanted the buck to stop here eger beat my nomad and i'm not happy about it and yet veger gets three to two and would move on
2: again very confused boo but i don't know what it means
0: (laughs) i would just like to request that every time you say non sequitur you follow it up with an actual non sequitur (laughs) (laughs) I i just feel like you you know under promise over deliver kind of thing
1: yeah i'm doing <laughs> dash non sequitur and you want me to do non sequitur colon exactly right core <laughs> versus kang so we get actually the the two big tos klingons here together uh ryan
2: uh i got a side with core he's the dahar master and i found him more fun
1: aren't they all dahar
2: masters yeah, but core always says he's a dahar master which i think means he's slightly more master
1: of dahar <laughs> He's the hurriest. he's like you yeah. know
2: <laughs> He's the Dahariist, yeah, by far.
4: So Andy. Core because *Errand of Mercy is much better than Day of the Dove. There you go.
3: Derek. He he is the Mo of the three stooges. So
0: core, core all the way. And Corey. Core, yeah. I uh, for all the reasons stated before, also the first syllable of my name sounds the same.
1: Core moves on. I cannot disagree. Krug versus Chang. Andy. This one's difficult, isn't it? It is.
4: Uh Oh, I love Christopher Plummer. Ultimately, I'm going to go with Christopher Lloyd, because I think Crude chewed the scenery better, but, crucially, had more of an impact in the inadvertent destruction of the Enterprise and the death of Kirk. So Derek? I
3: like Chang, but I think Chang is an off-model Klingon, per se, like an exception to the rule, and I think, I think Krooge is, is the rule, like, kind of what Andy was talking about earlier, like, that he exemplifies the quote-unquote best of villainous Klingons, so and, you know, he, he was in some sense successful in things, you know, he, he, he killed Kirk's son, or had Kirk's son killed, he, he was, like you said, responsible for the destruction of the Enterprise. He played a part in that. So for all those reasons and the fact that Christopher Lloyd delivered an excellent performance, that's always going to be etched in my mind. It's going to be Krooge.
0: Kroogey, I mean, Corey. <laughs> <laughs> um, this one's really complicated for me. I On the one hand, I, I think Cruge, you know, from a personal point of view, creates a a more compelling villain on the other hand from a sort of in-universe pivot i want to say that chang maybe is born at the right time in history because i feel like the undiscovered country the federation pivots it changes and and a lot of that has to do with chang and his workings i i'm gonna go with chang on this okay uh, and, and i think because i like the federation more after he is defeated than before ryan
2: i'm gonna go with krug because if you think about it krug like you said kills kirk's son which does break him is responsible for the destruction of the enterprise which symbolically must have been a huge blow for the fleet even though it wasn't particularly active plus he killed a giant worm which is very impressive that was- chang not only fails in his mission but inadvertently solidifies klingon federation relations for centuries to come so we should really thank chang chang is accidentally a bit of a hero of the kittima accords so i'm voting Krug.
1: and uh, that's uh that's one vote for chang for now and though of course undiscovered country i, I love better than the search for spock i'm still voting for krug in this instant uh, for all the reasons already stated so krug or Krug. Well I think he pronounces Krug on the sh- I'm not sure. Uh, moves on. <laughs> moves on. Let's not follow the same order we did earlier and move immediately to the next generation. And, uh, we'll look at Tomahawk versus Lore. Andy. Tomahawk. Picard needed a good adversary
4: and I think arguably he didn't really get what because Q's more of a trickster, Loki kind of character. And Tomalok could have been that bad guy if we'd have had more of him. But I'm still going to vote for him over Law. Ryan?
2: Well, Law is insane, which, you know, puts him in a a niche bracket of evil, whereas Tomalok is the counterpart to Picard. So if we're taking a Mm human-centric point of view, Tomalok is evil, because he's the anti-Picard. So I guess I... Just in the interest of having interesting characters in this, Tomlok's more interesting than lore, so I'm gonna to vote Tomalock.
0: Corey. Unsurprisingly, I'm voting for Tomlock too. I you know, other than the fact that I just don't care for Lore all that much. I just think that was such a great performance. I think that he's, you know, being the opposite number to Picard. He creates just a really interesting atmosphere in his presence, and he's a great antagonist in the truest sense of of the word.
1: Derek. I am farting in the wind. Lore <laughs> is my pick. Oh. Now, I'm, I've never been a big fan of lore either, so Tomaloc it is, even though a lot of untapped potential. And four to one, Tomaloc moves on. What about Duras versus Q? Derek. I went with Q. I don't know if there's much
3: rationale for that, other than I think Q has a lot more importance in the grander scheme of Star Trek than Duras does. I mean, I did, I did feel an intense sense of satisfaction when he was <laughs> finally dispatched. But I, I think when when you weigh the two, you know, in the scale, I think Q topples the scale more than than Duras does.
4: Andy, yeah, I'm going to go with Q. It was always fun when he showed up, even when the episodes were less than stellar. Um, Ryan.
2: Well, in terms of entertainment, I want to vote Q. But in terms of evil and villainy, I've got to vote Juras because it's a recognizable, tangible evil. Again, as I said before, he's a Judas. He betrays his entire people for the sake of personal power. Q, like you said, is a trickster. He's playing cosmic chess with the universe, whatever. Not necessarily evil. So I've got to vote Duras.
1: Corey. Q. He's just better. And I will vote Q as well. As I said before, I really didn't like Duras. Q moves on. House of Duras is uh, still in the game, because it's their Duras sisters versus Gowron. So this is a,
0: this <laughs> is an interesting a natural one. match. Uh, Corey, start us off. Oh, man. Um, yeah, Gawron Yeah, I paused, and I, I'm not entirely sure why, because the, as soon as I, like, gave it in that pause, I was like, oh, no, no, it's Gowron, for sure. He you know, won the eyes, right? Like, the eyes have it, for sure. Um, but also the Duras sisters... They're interesting. They're fun to have around. I'm, I'm glad that they were there. I wouldn't want them gone. But I don't feel like they bring as much to the overall narrative of the Star Trek universe as Gowron did. Maybe
1: you're not looking at them in the eyes. <laughs> <laughs> They're up here, Corey. <laughs>
4: Andy. I'm going to have to go with Gowron just for his longevity and his overall influence. Although I do think the Dura sisters are more evil. Okay. Uh, Ryan.
2: I've got about vote Dura sisters because they're selfish they're ambitious they're cruel they start a civil war which presumably killed millions of klingons Gowron was the legitimate klingon uh, first chancellor whatever it's called uh so in terms of just evil and villainy the juras are worse galron is guilty of ambition and being an idiot so juras
3: Derek, i love robert o'reilly and i like galron and he was also in that wackadoo video game where he was talking to all the klingon people so i'm i'm, I'm going with galron what's what are the votes right
1: now I sort of lost count.
2: Whoever it was I voted for is the losing <laughs> one. That's what you need to. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I think Garon has had his uh, heroic moments. He hasn't always been a villain, he's been a politician. He's been on the wrong side of an argument. He's been fooled into starting a Klingon war by the founders. Well, the Duras sisters have been more consistent rascals, I do like that they're uh, unique, that they're sisters, they're like partners in crime, all of that. So I'm going to throw my vote to the Duras sisters, but Garon would win it 3-2. to two. Similar matchup, I guess? The Borg Queen versus Lacutus, Ryan?
2: Well, I suppose if the Borg Queen is the quote-unquote person that runs the show with the Borg lakutis is just a drone even if he's a special one so i've got to vote borg queen unfortunately
0: Corey. well i don't know because if you if you consider that all of the borg are essentially uh, in a way not responsible for them for themselves because they're collective it's hard to say one is more evil than the other um gosh this was easier when i was just like which one looked cooler (laughs)
2: Um, welcome to my world yeah
0: (laughs) i'm gonna go with locutus because again that summer was awful
1: derek i am locutus of borg okay andy oh i think i'd go with the borg queen and so you're gonna leave me with this decision yes (laughs) well you know i threatened the the way the borg queen was mishandled in Voyager would come back to bite her in the ass. And, um, uh, whether or not her head is connected to her ass, it's, uh, I'm gonna, <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna vote for Lacutus here. I still think that that monster has more of an impact to me than, uh, the Borg Queen does. Late comer and retcon as she is. So Lacutus moves on. Lacutus is doing way better than Captain Picard, by the way, <laughs> in the previous yeah, bracket. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> and I will admit that there is, an element of guilt on my part for you know, <laughs> uh, that Locutus is doing so well here. I've reconnected with a lot of Patrick Stewart Picard episodes uh, since the last bracket and I've, oh man, I, I sort of, uh, I stand by my vote back then, but I still think that Patrick Stewart got the short end of the stick and that was my fault. So let's go back in time to the prequels. And, uh, Corey, you're going to start us off uh, with the Discovery version of Harry Mudd versus Mr. Paxton.
0: Well, it surprises me to say so uh, because I don't have much appreciation for Enterprise. But it's going to be John F. Paxton for me. He's a more compelling villain than Harry Mudd in Discovery. I I like Rain Wilson's portrayal of Harry Mudd very much i enjoy him as an antagonist i like having him around and and just in terms of villainy if you want to put a villain up against another villain paxton is better at it (laughs) so i guess in this one instance i'm gonna go with uh, paxton derek i still
3: stand by what i said earlier i knew mud wasn't gonna succeed in the original sins bracket so i I kind of felt bad for him so i'm i'm continuing to vote mud just to give him some representation in the the prequel thread all right Uh, Andy? I am also going to vote for Paxton. I do think he's more compelling
1: as a villain. Uh, Ryan?
2: Yeah, Harry Mudd is just Star Trek's Han Solo gone a bit wrong in middle age, so I gotta vote Paxton.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Uh, you just made him cooler. Uh, I'm gonna vote Harry Mudd. Uh, I really do like this, uh, (laughs) this interpretation of it. While Paxton, you know, for all the evil that he does represent, you know, he's just a wannabe Colonel Green, who isn't on the bracket, of course. That doesn't matter. That's three to two for Paxton. Finally, the Imperatrix of the Mirror Universe, Georgiou and Hoshi, square off. Andy. Hoshi, more insidious more evil more
4: backstabby more manipulative Giorgio's a bit more in your face i'm going for hoshi mm, ryan
2: yep hoshi was never deposed and i've picked a ring now so hoshi
3: <laughs> oh derek hoshi hoshi i adore you sung to lisa lisa i adore you but yeah like hoshi definitely she my, my rationale for this is kind of what was already mentioned like Giorgio lost control of her empire and to my knowledge Hoshi never did, so
0: Hoshi all the way. Corey. I mean, in fairness, Hoshi's show got canceled after four seasons, so. It, no, Giorgio, she's just better. <laughs> like, no, I, I can't even. H- Hoshi, all y'all do your own thing, but, <laughs> but as far as I'm concerned, Giorgio <laughs> is a better character. Start to finish, she she remains compelling. She exists in many more episodes, all of which factor into to my decision. And also Michelle Yeoh. No, yeah, okay. Yeah,
1: and Georgia's a cannibal as well. So that's the extra, extra that's right. Eat sentient life form. <laughs> she makes Michael eat Saru. Specifically, yeah. Saru. That was even an evil too far for me when I watched it. I was like, oh no, don't go there. D- please. Yeah, no. Yeah. But, uh, so yeah, I'm, I'm voting Georgiou as well, which puts it at three to two for Hoshi, unless we were compelling enough to make someone change their vote. And we weren't. So Hoshi moves on. Way to stick to your guns, guys. Then we've got Voke versus Shran. And Ryan will start us off on this one.
2: Oh, this is a tough one. Cause again, I don't regard either of them as being particularly evil. Shran's looking out for his people. Voke, I'm going to vote Voke because Shran didn't start a war. He just didn't like Vulcans and, you know, enjoyed annoying them, which, you know, okay. who doesn't? But Voke actually did start a war, which called the death of millions. So I'm going to say Voke.
3: Derek, I just like Shran better. I like Jeffrey Combs. Like, I don't, I mean, I don't know that there's much more to it than that. I, I didn't put any intense thought into it other than, Jeffrey Combs, Shran, I like the character better, popularity contest, like I picked him.
0: Corey. So I voted for Jeffrey Combs in every other uh, round so that I could now start culling Jeffrey Combs characters that (laughs) I didn't love as much in favor of others if I had to. Uh, That being said, I like Voke as a character more than I like Shran, so uh, I'm going to vote for Voke here. Okay, Andy.
4: I like Shran a great deal, but following the tenets that you're laying down, it's got to be Voke.
1: All right, I would also vote Voke. So Voke uh, moves forward. Uh, Sorry, Shran. Next up, we have... Uh, nero versus lorca so derek i i never even put nero on the board so it's gonna <laughs> have to be it's gonna have to be lorca
0: all right Corey, lorca he's awesome
4: andy uh lorca because in every other iteration of star trek it's about fixing the timeline and yet this goofball manages to make such a change
1: that we can't fix it so nero lorca. oh so lorca okay ryan
2: Yep, it's got to be Lorca. He is, objectively, just does more evil things.
1: And uh, I agree. I think Nero's a non-entity when I think of Star Trek villains. Uh, I'm surprised he got to this point, point. and so Lorca moves on. Let's go ahead a few, uh, you know, into that future, the future of that future, and look at the sequels. Ryan, you'll start us off, and you've got Ducat versus the Intendant.
2: Oh, Ducat. Ducat, he's he's chief git of the yard. I mean, the intendant was raised in an environment where her people were treated badly, and she reacted to that. Whereas Ducat, pure liquid evil, start to finish, space Hitler, definitely Ducat.
4: Andy, gear in a leather catsuit, dude, in a milk bath. <laughs> uh, yeah, but I can't <clears> sway my vote. It has to be Ducat.
0: Corey, no, it's Ducat. There was never even a question in my mind that between the two, it would be Ducat. Derek. Ducat, And we all
1: agree. Ducat moves on. Andy, get ready. You've got Brunt versus Anorax. Uh,
4: I still go with Anorax on this one for the reasons we all gave before. I think the, the collateral damage of what he's doing for purely selfish motivations, the fact that he hasn't got a damn clue what he's doing, but keeps on doing it anyway, versus Brunt, who is immoral and a scumbag, but he's a Ferengi. Corey. Yeah.
0: And Brunt. And this Coombs I'm keeping, yes. I'm uncomfortable with the am- amount of Coombs still on the board. So, I'm doing what I can to keep more there. Derek.
3: So, yeah, I, I didn't even put Anorax on the board. I think I would have maybe removed Brun at this point, but I think I'm going to still stick with my initial gut instinct and, and stick with Brun.
1: Ryan.
2: Got to be Anorax. Looking at the list of characters we've got on here, outside of Q, Anorax is the one that could do the most damage, wipe out everybody else on the board. And they wouldn't be able to do a thing about it or even know they existed in the first place. So Anorax.
1: Yeah, I think Anorax is like probably the the best Voyager villain overall. And uh, not that I have any kind of, um, as you know, any kind of loyalty to that show. But I will be keeping a Voyager villain on there. Anorax would move on three to two. I've just never been a big fan of Brunt. He's not my coombs of preference. <laughs> There's a T-shirt. Uh, well, uh, Wei versus Win is our next one. Oh, that's a tough one. <sighs> so, well, let's torture Corey. Oh man, <laughs> I am the Gul Madrid of the show. There,
2: there are, are
0: four coons. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so uh, <clears throat> I'm gonna go with Win. I, I just I have not ever hated a recurring villain. In Star Trek, as much as I hated Win and Wayoon this sucks, man. Um, <laughs> yeah, this is the worst. This is awful. This is the round, man. Why could Brunt been up against like you know somebody else? Um, the only reason between the two that I would choose Wayoon is because of it's Jeffrey Coombs. That being said, in this one instance, I'm going to ignore my instinct. I'm going to go with Win. She's better. She's horrible. Uh, she's just an awful villain. I hated watching her and loved hating Way all the time
1: Derek. i was trying
3: to play the long game with jeffrey but it's it's not going to work out because you know i'm an american so going back to the whole ryan wanted to wag his finger at louise fletcher (laughs) through the tv set i actually i I do
2: apologize for that that was um that was unconscionable behavior sorry
3: I was just about to say, I, I wanted to strangle Louise Fletcher through the TV screen. So that definitely elevates her performance and, and as a quote unquote villainous character, you know, that, that bumps her up on my bracket.
1: Ryan.
2: It's interesting the religious dichotomy because Wyung just wants the approval of his gods who are tangible and in front of him. And he's doing his best to get that. And Wynn has been praying for years to her gods. Who have ignored her and not said anything to her, and the end result is Wayun stays loyal and does his job and gets occasional praise, and Win becomes incredibly corrupt. So I have to vote Win. Uh, although, you know, in fairness, I think the moral of this story is, is that religion is bad in Star Trek. So Win.
1: Andy. Yeah, it's got to be Kai. Win, hasn't it? I have to agree. I vote Win on this, even though Wayun is a a great bunch of characters, uh, and I loved how you know Jeffrey Coombs changed, tweaked. The character with every clone to make it slight. Well, not just him, but the writers to make it slightly different. But yeah, I mean, win is a powerhouse here. Win for the win. Mm. Finally, for round two, we have Michael Eddington versus Garrick. Derek, you get to possibly defend garrick here because i know he's one of your favorites yeah i do like garrick
3: i i mean i mean i pick garrick so i i mean I, I don't need to draw it out or anything like garrick is the one who would i would elevate between the two i mean I, I i think there are good things about eddington as well but for me i just think garrick is my more preferred character in in deep space nine brian
2: i've got to vote garrick even though i love eddington the fact is i'm hard-pressed to think of an act that eddington carried out that was genuinely look that's an evil act objectively or, or arguably even whereas garrick has assassinated poisoned, tortured etc etc and not only that but he enjoyed it which makes him more of a villain which means i've got to vote garrick
0: andy uh it's gotta be plain simple garrick Corey, yeah, all of the things that were said about garrick plus the fact that he just lies constantly every day for years like also The next round would be Garrick versus Kai Wynn, and that would be awesome to see. So so definitely, I always was going to vote for Garrick, but I definitely am voting for Garrick.
1: Well, I don't think Garrick should be on the bracket anymore, you know, by round three. Yeah, Michael Eddington doesn't hold a candle to him, so I will also vote Garrick. I think that's a bit of a quirk of the brackets, but there you go, Garrick moves on. Let's not waste any time and go right into round three. (laughs)
2: <laughs> I think that's a $6 million man theme, actually, you're going into. Yeah. Pretty,
1: pretty. Derek, you start us off. Let's go chronological this time. Uh, we start with the prequels, and it's Paxton versus Hoshi.
3: Oh, Hoshi. Hoshi all the way, man. Like, Hoshi.
0: <laughs> Corey. No, uh, just out of pure spite, I'm voting for Paxton in this round. <laughs> that should be Georju versus Paxton, and it should be a no-brainer. <laughs> All right, so
1: uh, one vote each, Ryan.
2: Here's the thing, okay? Paxton, by known philosophy, is objectively more evil. We know what he wants, and it's small-minded and ignorant and evil. Whereas Hoshi has climbed through the ranks and has done a great deal of evil in an evil empire. So it's a lot easier for her to do evil, but she becomes Mirror Universe Emperor, and I think we can quite easily infer from that she's going to do a lot more evil than Paxton potentially could have, so Hoshi.
1: Okay, two to one. Uh, Andy? Uh,
2: yeah, I, I normally I would go for Paxton
4: on this, but I think Hoshi is in a position at the end of that episode to do more damage, so I'm going with Hoshi.
1: Three to one for Hoshi, and I'll, I'll throw my vote in with uh, the the pack, and Hoshi moves on, although I completely agree with Corey's
0: assessment that this should be Georgiou's slot. If Hoshi wins this, I just want you all to remember.
2: But you thought Nazis weren't that bad, so, you know. <laughs> <laughs> about it.
4: We thought alien Nazis weren't that bad, not real Nazis. I yeah,
2: no, good. Okay, good. Good. You tell yourself that. You tell yourself that. <laughs> Whatever gets me through the night.
1: The
0: discovery fight here is Voke versus Lorca, Corey. Oh, wow. That is harder than I thought it was going to be. Uh, I'm going to go with Lorca. Lorca, yeah. I mean, if we're talking about just sheer villainy, it's, it's going to be Lorca. Ryan.
2: Well, here's the thing. vogue started a war for cultural supremacy. Lorca wanted to take control of an empire that had already won its cultural supremacy, but wanted to keep on crushing other races. Yeah, I've got to go. In the end, I've got to go Lorca because it just seems like he was worse. He would have done worse.
4: Andy. Yeah, I think Lorca would have done much worse had he been left to his
3: own devices. Plus, Jason Isaacs. Derek? Yeah, Lorca. Vogue again was not really on the board for me, so so Lorca.
1: And uh, I agree. Lorca is the bigger villain. Lorca moves on. Original Sins. That's the next era. Ryan, uh, start us off. Khan versus V'ger.
2: <laughs> okay. Hmm. <laughs> Let me think. Let me mull this over. Let me... Uh... <laughs> I think Nietzsche said it best when he said (laughs) Khan.
0: You sure that wasn't William (laughs) Shatner?
2: Ethnically the same. Are you sure they're
0: not the same? (laughs) I
4: was gonna say it's easy to get the two confused. (laughs) Andy, what about you? (laughs) I love Stat at the motion picture, but it's gotta be Khan. Derek.
3: Revenge is a dish best served cold, and it is very cold in Spain.
0: Corey. Um, uh, Hmm. So I feel like Khan exists to sort of address the issues that people have with Star Trek, the motion picture. As a fan of Star Trek, the motion picture, I feel like this is a hill I should probably die on and just go like V'ger. But (laughs) I don't know. I don't know if my my skin is that thick. No. What the hell? V'ger. Sure. Take that. (laughs) (laughs) that
4: I want to change my vote to I'm I'm sticking. I'm having solidarity with the fellow Star Trek, the motion picture fan. (laughs)
1: <laughs> okay, so it's two to two, actually, at this point. Non sequitur. And we're, and we're seeing just how, you know, a villain is created. Because Corey started out <laughs> as one of our friends, and now... Oh, dear. He's <laughs> the villain of the bracket.
2: Yeah, I think you guys should go and merge with the creator. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but the buck stops here. Nomad's Revenge. Khan moves on. Yay! Uh, uh core versus Krug. Again, we're in the Klingon section. Uh let's start with Andy. I love Krug. Core's not as two dimensional. I'm going with Kor. Ryan?
2: Krug is a return to traditional Klingon value. I vote Krug.
3: Make <laughs> <laughs> hey, Klingon great again. Uh, Derek. I-, I have never been made more unconfident in how to pronounce a Klingon's name, but I'm gonna go with I'm gonna go with Krug. Corey. Oh she
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> And he's not one
1: of the choices.
0: <laughs> then uh, the one that Christopher Lloyd played. <laughs> however you pronounce his name <laughs> yeah. I think it's, I'm pretty sure it's Krug but um, I thought it was Krug when I started today and now I don't know what to, what ended up
2: <laughs> well
1: I have to agree and it really doesn't matter so 4 to 1 Krug moves on next generation who wins between Tomalock and Q Ryan
2: oh that's a stinker okay look tomaloc is a Romulan for Romulans he promotes the Romulan Empire he's for every Romulan, every man, woman, and child in that empire. Q is out for himself, which is selfish, but he doesn't have an expansionist agenda. I say Tomalak.
0: Okay, Derek, what what letter comes after P? Oh, yeah, Q. Corey. I think just based on... Yeah, I'm going to go with Tomalak, actually. That single performance with that character, it was really compelling. And not that Q wasn't, but by the end of Q as a character he'd really become much more of a hero as you said he's kind of saved the universe and all good things and you know i love john delancey very much but that i i think that uh, tomalock makes for a more compelling villain
1: andy i agree
4: entirely i think tomalock is a much more compelling villain adversary antagonist whatever
1: you want to call it He's just a free roaming agent of chaos Tomalock. But chaos is a type of villainy. I'm giving it to Q. I think Tomalock was not explored as much as he could have been, should have been, and as a villain, it just for a lot of the time it's just Him and Picard talking on view screens, and it doesn't go from there. I wish there had been, like, this one big Tomalak story. And there isn't, so I'm voting Q, which doesn't matter. It's three to two for Tomalak, who moves on to round four. Gauron versus Locutus. Derek. Locutus. Of course. Corey. Worst summer ever. Locutus. Andy. Locutus ryan
2: gowron Lacutus is no more evil than your arm or your leg
0: you don't know my (laughs) arm or my leg Uh, (laughs) remember we liked nazis (laughs) you raise a fair point
2: and Lacutus does wear a lot of iconic black leather so (laughs)
0: um
1: in those two i'm afraid that i felt like gowron moved on precipitously but probably shouldn't have been this high up so Lacutus. While at this point I might cut him off, I can't because he doesn't have the competition. Lacutus moves on. And then the sequels. Corey, start us off. Who
0: wins between Ducat and Anorax? No, Ducat. I didn't mean to laugh. Like I, like I was laughing at Anorax, but. It's Ducat. I mean, he's one of the best villains Star Trek has ever produced.
1: Do you agree, Derek? Yes, absolutely. Ducat moves forward. What about you, Ryan?
2: Well, Ducat is more actively evil, whereas Anoraks can do more harm and more accidental evil. So, in terms of just anima and choice, it's got to be Ducat.
1: And Andy? Goal, Ducat. No contest. I obviously agree. Enough with this Anorak business. Oh, Kai Wynn versus Garrick. Is it the end of the road for the Cardassian? Derek? I I've kind of said this,
3: and this is kind of me sticking to my guns. You you guys may be able to sway me and change my mind, but I can't stand a dummy. Like I can't stand win at all. So and and I do like garrick so to me that's the distinction between those two so for me i'm, I'm gonna pick win moving forward
1: ryan
2: well garrick kind of in a small way redeems himself at the end he kind of comes full circle and realizes their way of life is wrong but he embraced the obsidian order for years and embraced what we would consider an evil lifestyle whereas win i get the feeling tried to be good and did fight in the resistance in her way and then just gave up because of the indifference of her gods so I am going to have to say Garrick.
1: Andy. Uh,
4: I love Garrick. I love Andy Robinson. Kai Wynn makes my skin crawl. Word. Kai <laughs> <Winn>. <laughs>
0: And Corey? Yeah, I, I mean, I, I would say, you know, Kai Wynn. I, I don't know that an argument needs to be made for her in this category. <laughs> She's just extremely wicked. And, you know, she uses other people's faith as a weapon And it's it's gross. She's (laughs) she she enrages me. And that means she's incredibly well written and um, a delight as a villain.
1: All right. Well, I have to agree. And four to one win moves on. Casualty reports still
3: coming in. You know, some may say that we've gotten just what we deserved. After all, we're not entirely innocent, are we?
1: round four let's get right into it derek take us through khan versus krug for me
3: it's you know gonna come down to wrath of khan versus the search for spock
0: and that's gonna be wrath of khan every day so khan Corey, i'm gonna go with krug again i really liked christopher lloyd's performance i i and i feel like no, I'm just kidding. I'm going for Khan. I was really trying to make, a... <laughs> but Khan is Khan is the iconic villain of the original series, and he deserves to be in the uh, in the final four. Ryan.
2: Well, I mean, not I'm not referring to the quality of the respective films here because it would be Khan then. But in terms of what's achieved, Krug, Kirk's son dies, Enterprise gets blown up, they get stranded on the planet, big fights. Khan inconveniences the engineering room once. <laughs> kills Spock. He Spencer. kills Scotty's
3: nephew or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Like that's
2: not an inconvenience. No, no, no. But in terms of concrete <laughs> things that are achieved, Krug is the greater evil. So I've got to vote Krug.
4: Andy, I'm going to go with Krug. Yeah, because uh, yes, he does lead to the death of Spock. They get Spot back. They don't get David Marcus back. And arguably, there is a potential, though, that Krug could have actually seen them drummed out of Starfleet for what they did. Did That's ultimately not the way they chose to go, which is a shame. But I think, yeah, I think Krug's batting average is higher.
1: Damn, guys. That's two to two, and I don't know what to do. do. (laughs) Because I I feel like, oh, you know, Khan, is he overrated? Do I want to vote against the overrated character? He is. Uh, Can I give you a
2: political slogan in favor of Krug? He's tough on the Federation, he's tough on the causes of Federation, and he will <laughs> stop the Federation if you vote for him.
1: Here's the thing. Uh, Khan is a delicious villain. I think a, a lot of people think he probably should win the, the whole bracket, and I'm in a position to stop that. Um, hmm. But I do think, you know what? My favorite Star Trek film is actually The Undiscovered Country. Undiscovered Country doesn't really happen without Krug. because. He's the reason Kirk hates the Klingons. Mm-hmm. He's the reason for the big moral dilemma.
4: I'm um, the whole the whole subplot with the Klingon ambassador. There can be no peace as long as Kirk lives.
1: All of that comes from the search for Spock and Krug. Uh, plus, he has like that cool pet Targ, right? I'm, I'm gonna go for Krug and re- upset some people, but uh, you know that's my job. Krug moves on. And I am the most hated person at the Fire and Water Podcast Network.
3: <laughs>
2: <laughs> no, once again, once let, again. Let's,
4: reiterate. let's reiterate what Ryan said. This isn't we're not saying the Wrath of Khan is a worse movie than The Search for Spark. No. We're just saying that Krug accomplishes more in villainy than Khan does.
1: Especially since there's no physical confrontation between Kirk and Khan in that movie. Okay. What about the next generation's villains? We have Tomalak versus Locutus, and uh, we'll start with Ryan.
2: Got to be Tomalak. Again, I stand by my argument that Locutus cannot be evil. He cannot be a villain. He's running a program. Tomalak has anima, free will, and choice. He chooses to be a Romulan douche. Tomalak.
1: Andy.
4: I agree entirely with what Ryan just said. Tomalak. Derek.
3: We met on the field of battle. Wolf three, five, nine. Locutus.
0: Corey. No, oh, it's... It... How bad
1: was that summer? <laughs> <laughs> it was a bad summer. <laughs>
2: yeah.
0: I mean, you gotta understand, it was like, what, 13, 14, so there was like the whole puberty thing, suddenly Picard is gone, like, no, that was a bad summer. Yeah, no, I think it is Locutus, and, and I think that the fact that this entity named Locutus, this individual thing, stole Picard and kept him out of the world, you know, basically kept him uh, captive inside his own body, uh, that to me definitely gives, you know, besides the wolf three, five, nine situation also puts him in, you know, in the category of, of being a a good villain. Also really bad summer, just really bad.
2: Are you blaming the cutest for a bad puberty?
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And I guarantee you, I'm not the first person to listen to this podcast that will do that. That's uh, two to two. And
1: again, it's my choice. And I've been, I've been pretty upfront about saying the Tomalak story was not enough for me. Whereas Locutus, even when he returns more as an idea than anything, uh, still has that presence. Uh, there's still something in first contact about Locutus. Uh if that my choice is one of these two, then Locutus it has to be three to two. the prequels Hoshi versus Lorca, so it's a mirror universe bracket, uh, and he start us off I think it's Lorca this one to be honest with you derek i'm I'm still sticking with Hoshi,
0: oh jeez. <laughs> Is it the mid drift? I just don't understand. <laughs> a Corey, <laughs> uh, it's Lorca. Of course, it's Lorca. You know, you know, it's it's interesting. When I sat down to do this, I was like, "Oh, Lorca's not, you know, whatever, so bad, uh, you know." But then the more other people have argued for him, the, you know, and and one of the things that I hadn't thought about, he's a bit of a groomer, and there's nothing worse than that. <laughs> like, that's pretty much awful. So yeah, Lorca. Ryan.
2: Well, well, this is a tough one. This is this is uh, tugging on my heartstrings. Hoshi, we know for a fact, kills what, maybe two people that we know of. We've got a long laundry list of what Gabriel Lorca has done. So statistically, he is more evil in that sense, if we're going, because we can't go by what Hoshi might do afterwards. So I've got to vote Lorca. Sorry, wait for me, my love.
1: <laughs> I have to vote Lorca as well. Like Tomalak, there's just not enough material for Hoshi to move on at this point and to be called one of the top four. Uh, Star Trek villains. But Lorca, eh, might just have a shot. So Lorca will move on. Win versus Ducat. I'm asking Andy, can I call you a bastard for that? <laughs> <laughs> I'm the secret villain of the bracket. <laughs> <laughs> You're all looking at Corey, but uh, yeah.
4: This one's not at all easy. I mean, the others, I think I can make a compelling case for each one of my picks. But this one, oh. I think I'm going to have to go with Gul Cat, Just because his persecution of the Bajorans His willing to sell out anything and anybody Including his own daughter For his own personal gains The pure manipulative evil of him Yeah, I'm going to have to plump for the Cat, Unless somebody can convince Because it's not going to be hard To make me sway to Kai win It really isn't But at the moment I'm going for the Cat.
1: Okay. Ryan, you want to try?
2: Well, here's the thing. Ducat is exactly what he says on the tin. He's evil. He's upfront about it. I mean, he claims to be benevolent, but he actively subjugates, tortures, conquers people, sides with the biggest bully in the yard to kill people he doesn't like. Fine. You know what's going on with him. But Wynne is a wolf in sheep's clothing. She uses the opiate of the masses religion. And remember... Bajor is a monotheistic culture in the sense that there are no other religions on Bajor and they've got legitimate actual proof that their gods exist. And Wynne uses that. She uses indelible proof to manipulate everybody on the planet to get what she wants. So I would argue she's a far more insidious evil than Dukot because Dukot will just kill you. Whereas Wynne will turn your life upside down and subjugate you and have you questioning everything and being completely subservient to her.
0: Corey? Yeah, I I agree. There's something a little bit less unsettling about a autocratic dictatorial regime than there is about an autocratic dictatorial faith. N- neither is particularly easy to live with. One, I can, I get it, <laughs> right? In terms of, I get how they they moved through through sheer force of brute strength. Uh, the other one, they are weaponizing innocent people and their faith. And I, that to me is, is, is just so much more vulgar. And also, I hate Kaiwen, so Kaiwen. Derek. <laughs>
3: Dukat for me, and this is a very narrow, limited view of the X-Men's Magneto, but I, I always <laughs> loved Ducat, and I always compared him to Magneto, because yeah, if you look at character. the... The Lee Kirby start of Magneto as just, you know, maybe a blanket evil bad guy. And then he goes into his little phase of like, I'm going to teach the kids. I'm going to be a headmaster. I'm going to try to be a good guy. And then you get to and I'm cutting it off at the Morrison run where he just loses his crap and is like, screw it. I'm evil, you know, and that's that's all there is to me. Then you you have what I see as Ducat's arc on Deep Space Nine, which is a great arc. It's a fantastic arc. It's wonderfully performed. But I think Ryan hit the nail on the head. He, he, He hit the money mark with the fact that Wynne is a wolf in sheep's clothing. Like, there's nothing I detest more. It's like, the only person Dukat's lying to is himself. He's kind of like Ray Fine's character in Schindler's List. Like, he's lying to himself, but not really to anyone else. They all kind of know, you know, Kira can smell him a mile away. Like, he's not really hiding anything from anybody but himself. Whereas Wynne, Wynne's trying to pretend to be your your friend is trying to pretend to be your religious mentor or, or pastor or whatever. And she's totally actually doing it not out of any sense of altruism, not out of any sense of genuinely wanting to help her people. I mean, and, and you see that turn when it's like, if my gods that I've supposedly devoted my entire life will not have me... I will take the paw race. Like it, ultimately, she's lying to herself and everybody else because ultimately, all she really wanted was power, not any sense of trying to help somebody. And I think that's why all these terms that everybody's been throwing around—that they she makes their skin crawl, that people detest her, you know, that she's just unconscionable—all those things I think apply to Win, and and that's why I would advocate moving Win forward.
1: I was uh, I was going to go with Ducat. So the three to two to four win. Ducad because he keeps reinventing himself, whether he's a tyrant or whether he's like this uh, sort of antagonistic politician, whether he's like a rebel, ingratiates himself with the heroes and ingratiates himself with the Dominion and eventually becomes like the Pah Avatar. I mean, this guy's done it all. And at the end of the day, he's the one that gets rid of Win. You know, she doesn't succeed where he does. And then eventually, of course... He has to be defeated by the Cisco, but I think that's the real story of Deep Space Nine. And she's sort of doing her own thing is not as central a villain. I'm giving it to Ducat. Now, I know Andy was on the cusp, but he might have been swayed to win. So I don't know what the actual score is. Right now it's three to two for win. Anyone want to change their vote?
4: Yeah, go on yeah you have convinced me that win is
1: the evil of the evils <laughs> there was barely
4: anything in it anyway so yeah i'm going to go for kaiwen
1: so a big upset i think for uh, the folks listening win Moves forward, and not Ducat, who was, I, I have to say, like a favorite for the top two. So, Win moves on, and so we have a top four now, composed of Krug, Lorca, Locutus, and Kai Win. Wow. That's our top four. Honestly, this is not where I saw it going, at all. Uh, me neither. Where's Ducat? Where's Khan? Where's um, Nomad? So... Where's you? <laughs> you know exactly Where's where no. All right, well, let's uh, pair them off and have them fight out in round five.
2: Da-da-da-da! That is getting so high pitched. <laughs>
1: <laughs> the the so, pressure, the pressure.
2: If there was a round seven, someone would die.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Probably me. So Corey Krug
0: versus Lorca. Who's our finalist? Ah. Uh... Boy, that's tough. Krug, as we've established, he, he kicks off a series of events that run throughout, minus Star Trek Five, throughout the rest of the original series films, whereas Lorca kickstarts the events of and move forward the events of Discovery, which is, you know, so far been just a real treat. As a Star Trek fan, I, I enjoyed a great deal, but I'm going to go with Krug. Yeah, I'm going to go with Krug, uh, and I'm surprised to say so. The I think that he's a, a sort of pivotal moment for the Star Trek universe in a way that I never really gave any thought until today. So <laughs> that's kind of cool. Like when you can, when something can give you a new perspective on something that you've been watching for almost 40 years. That that's a the qualin right there. Andy.
4: Yeah, I have to. I have to go with Crude because uh, Long. I've, I've argued he was more successful than Khan, but I hadn't put that through line connection. That yes, yeah, Star Trek Six doesn't happen without the events of Star Trek Three, because you tend to think of Star Trek Two, Three, and Four as a trilogy, and then you think of Five and Six as being standalones, but
2: they're not. Yeah. So you no, know, I'm I'm gonna have to go with Krug. Ryan. Yep, I'm gonna have to go with Krug as well, because I think the dichotomy in place here is and this is one of the issues I've got with Discovery, is that Krug is a brilliant proponent of Star Trek evil. You know, he kills Kirk's son. Enterprise blown up, etc. and so forth. He's a proper Klingon Star Trek villain. Lorca, I think they took it too far by saying he groomed Michael Burnham. And that pushed it into an uncomfortable area of human evil, which is a bit too, quote unquote, real. So I'm going to vote Krug.
1: Derek. I guess I'm voting for Krug. Krug. It doesn't matter if I agree or I don't agree. In this case, I think, yeah, Krug moves on to the finals. I'm not sure how many people saw him go there. Lacutus versus Wynn is uh the other uh semifinal and uh we're going to start this one off with Ryan.
2: Uh I've got a vote win because religious evil from a human perspective granted but religious evil is always far worse than someone putting uh nanobots in your bloodstream and turning you into a half robot.
0: Derek, Kaiwin, <laughs> Corey. I'm just sort of laughing because I like Religious evil versus nanobots turning into a half robot that we have equal experience with both things. (laughs) Um, I agree that it's win. I think that she is a kind of evil that is in a, a Star Trek way, kind of the way Lorca is a bridge too far. It's a very human evil. It's a very understandable evil. And it's an evil that I think probably frustrates. A lot of the people who you know watch television, let alone the show. So uh, there's an evil there that we can relate to, that we recognize and, and can be made uncomfortable by. And also the portrayal of Kai Wen is top notch. i happy to see her in the uh, final round. So I will vote for her.
4: Andy, uh, yes, I'm going to go with Kai Wynn as well because the weaponizing of religion is truly horrible, and we see it a little bit too much in real life on occasion. So uh, she strikes very close to home. So I'm going for Win,
1: and I will agree with you guys and put Win in the finals. <laughs> I can't do it.
2: <laughs>
1: I have a dog with downstairs. You want going to go get it? We can. Does that work on a? Yeah, I guess you'd see the frequency on the. So let's go to the final. It's Krug versus Kai Wynn for all the marbles. Let's start us off with Corey, who is the greatest villain in Star
0: Trek history. It is Kai Wynn, as far as I am concerned, 100%, compared to Krug, Krug, clung i don't know how name, name. whatever it is it is kai win she is just despicable i am happy 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 to vote for her as the worst villain ryan
2: yeah this is kind of tough because they're very different kinds of evil win is insidious krug is a wolf in wolf's clothing win is a uh, wolf in sheep's clothing i mean i hate win so in terms of the, may the best villain win i want to vote win Whereas in terms of the coolest person who has the biggest effect on the Star Trek universe, I want Krug to win. And I really hate Worms. But I've got to, as a philosopher, I have to vote win, unfortunately. So my vote is for win. Sorry, Krug.
1: Andy. Yeah, it's
4: got to be Kai Win. I think everyone has put forward an exceptional case for why she is such a good slash bad villain.
3: Derek. I am also gonna say that the oscar goes to louise fletcher but yeah kai win for sure
1: and in that pack i also agree and kai win perhaps a surprise perhaps not but the greatest villain in star trek history according to this panel on this day
2: um can i change my vote to Krug? because i feel there's consistency issues if i vote for the winner then the universe is turned <laughs> on its head. So.
1: <laughs> Four to one. Win wins
2: the bracket. Such injustice. <laughs> <laughs>
1: I want to thank my uh, guests for. Uh, I mean, I, we're not going any. I'm not going anywhere. I still have to do Star Trek news and your feedback from the last episode, subspace transmissions. But let me thank my guests and allow them to pimp their projects if they have any, going from the UK back through to California. Ryan Blake, where can people find you on the internet?
2: Um, you can find me on Twitter at RyanBlake235 and look out for. A new podcast, Wibbly Wobbly, Dicey YC, the Doctor Who role-playing game podcast, coming out very, very soon.
1: Yes, I may have something to do with that as well. Andrew Leyland.
2: My little vanity project, The Palace of Glitter and Delights, which covers
4: anything, TV, films, books, whatever, is on 23freaks.com whenever I can be bothered doing it, which is normally every two weeks or so. Uh, The Overlooked Dark Knight is me and Michael Bailey looking at Batman comics that we think don't get the love that they deserve, so The Dark Knight Returns won't be on there. And the Fantastic Cast is me and Stephen Lacey going through every single Fantastic Four comic book ever, and we're currently uh, at 1979.
0: Thank you, Corey Drew. Yeah, I'm going to be on uh, Pod Dylan soon. I'm going to be a guest on the Film and Water podcast, uh, MASHcast. do a lot of guest work. For Rob Kelly. Mostly. <laughs> Remotely, yeah. Yourself <laughs> and Rob Kelly. That's right. <laughs>
3: and uh, Derek William Crab. If you guys want to check out podcasts, you can go to fanholspodcast.blogspot.com. We've got all kinds of different shows over there. And if you like videos and films about comic books, check out my web series, History of Comics on Film, and you can find those over at hocof.blogspot.com. Spot.com.
1: And uh, if you have any complaints about the results of this bracket, uh, send them all to me at fireandwaterpodcast.com. Uh, use the commenting platform, and uh, it's all my fault. And if you're happy with it, then it's everybody's, uh, everybody's credit. Thanks a lot, guys. I'll be right back with subspace transmissions. Ta na na na! Ciscoid's blog of geekery is Dr. Who, Babylon 5, animation, Toys, Godzilla, Godzilla, Star Trek, Cats, crypto, Cats crypto, Role-playing games, Battle Shovel, X-Files, Music, Podcasts, Board games, Jack Kirby, movies, Jack Kirby Alien, movie Kung Fu, Dinosaurs, and so much more. Ciscoid's blog of geekery. 10 years of content, more than 7,500 posts. Still going strong at ciscoid.blogspot.com. Craptonite is... The dream given form. Craptonite
2: is...
4: primitive culture.
2: Craptonite is... Jedi Knight, the same as your father. Craptonite is... The beat you can dance to. Craptonite is... A big fat woman with thighs the size of a hippo's. Craptonite is a podcast featuring two guys talking crap about sci-fi fantasy. You can find us on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, or even Twitter at CrapTonite235. Just look for CrapTonite. It's Kryptonite, spelt with an A. Incoming subspace
1: transmissions. In Star Trek news, we haven't spoken in two months, time enough for Discovery Season 2 to end, so let's start instead with details about the upcoming Picard TV series. Titles bandied about include Star Trek Destiny and Drawing Room, but no official word yet. Cast members have been announced, including Santiago Cabrera, who played the Tony Stark type in the Asteroids About to Hit the Earth series uh, Salvation, as well as the role of Aramis on the 2014 Three Musketeers series. And also Blind Spots, Michelle Hurd. Uh, there's also Australian actor and model uh, Evan Evagora, pretty much a newcomer. Alison Pill from Scott Pilgrim and The Newsroom. Harry Treadaway from Penny Dreadful. And Isa Briones from American crime story Versace. That's a pretty young cast considering, but of course, no word yet on what kind of characters they might play. <laughs> The rumored Star Trek animated series, not Lower Decks from the Rick and Morty guys, but a new, untitled, uh, as yet original CG animated series, has been officially greenlit and it will be exclusive to Nickelodeon. It follows a group of lawless teens who discover a derelict Starfleet ship and use it to search for adventure, meaning, and salvation. The series will be the product of the Emmy winners responsible for Troll Hunters and Ninjago. The long-awaited documentary on Deep Space Nine, What We Left Behind, Uh, will be getting a theatrical release via Shout Studios, though I doubt it'll come to my area. Uh, Fans in bigger markets may get a chance to see it on the big screen for one night only, a one-night event on May 13th. That's like next week. No details yet on the home release. (laughs) You may be aware of a fan petition going around to get CBS All Access to make a Pike series after Anson Mount's wonderful portrayal of the Enterprise captain on Discovery. After all, they went to all that trouble to cast him, Spock, and Number One, and to redesign the ship both inside and out. Head producer Alex Kurtzman says the fans have been heard and that anything's possible, so I guess we'll see. But there's another stranger petition from Irish Trekkies uh, to have Dublin erect a Chief O'Brien statue. Well, there's a Rocky Balboa and a Robocop uh, statues in Philly and Detroit, respectively, so why not Miles O'Brien? The petition calls him the most positive representation of Irishness in pop culture. Okay, so this is a weird one, or a weirder one, I guess, but original series fans will remember uh, the cat, Isis, from the episode Assignment Earth and how the cat can turn into a sexy woman. Now for a long time that uncredited part was believed to be played by Playboy Penup Victoria Vetri. But in twenty ten, Vetri revealed she never worked on Star Trek. They took her entry down on Memory Alpha, and the actress has been unknown ever since. Until recently, that is. Combing through Gene Roddenberry's archive of documents from Star Trek The Original Series, the team from The Trek Files came upon documents for Assignment Earth. These documents regarding production details for the episode could finally solve this mystery of the Isis actress. The standard actor call sheet for January 5th, thus the one day Isis was on set, in her human form, includes a listing for a performer to be on set at 10 a.m., but only lists that performer as one female, brackets, new, under atmosphere and stand-ins. So, crap. But wait! There's the extra talent call sheet for that day, and that's it's really the key. There's a listing for one cat girl to be on set at 10 a.m. Importantly, it includes the performer's name as April Tatro. Tetro herself was contacted by the Trek Files and confirmed she played Isis in human form for assignment Earth. So according to the sheet, Tetro was budgeted to be paid the standard rate for all the extras, a rate of $29.15 for the day, plus the cost for her time for being fitted with her costume and body makeup. An additional production report unearthed by the Trek Files shows her adjusted rate of $84.51. April Tetro worked mostly as a contortionist uh, performing on stage and television just months after uh, her work on Star Trek, she appeared again on NBC on The Tonight Show with Johnny Carson. Uh, Tatra also appeared on Laugh-In, uh, Fernwood, Tonight, uh, and The Gong Show. Her career on television ran through to 2001, appearing once again as a contortionist on an episode of Malcolm in the Middle. Mystery solved! <laughs> So we're seconds away from revealing the winner of the villain bracket contest, but first some quick comments about uh, the upcoming bracket as people saw it 2 months ago. Uh, I'm reading right from firewaterpodcast.com. Santarin quoted Garrick, so I guess uh, that was his vote for the top spot. Chris Franklin said if history tells us anything, Khan, the real one, will be eliminated in the first round and much teeth gnashing will ensue. Not quite Chris, but he, you know, he still didn't win. I'm waiting for those complaints. Brian Rosen wondered if this would be considered a villain's mayhem bracket. Yes, it it did drop in the month of May. Ouch. And Gothos Mansion was worried his two favorites would meet in the second round if they didn't get knocked off in the first. Doesn't tell us who, so did it happen? And well, no one saw the ultimate result coming, not even us, uh, not in any of about a dozen entries I received for the contest, but all you needed to do was get the most slots correct, out of the 63 that could be filled. Scores ranged between 30 and 41, and at 41, our winner is Mike Lacroix of the Canadian Military History Podcast and past guest of this show. Congratulations, Mike, you win some Gimme That Star Trek apparel from Fire & Water's Tee Public merch shop. Because yes, there is a new shirt design available to help you support the show. Uh, Check it out by clicking the merch tab at fireandwaterpodcast.com. No reason, it should be just Mike wearing it. And that's also where you may leave comments on this episode. And you can also leave them on the Fire and Water Facebook page or on Twitter where we are FW Podcasts. So until the next episode, this is Siskoid reminding you to go boldly.